This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that loves being a champion of the world. Uh, that sounds so good, doesn't it? Uh, Chelsea never make it easy, do they? No. Now, for those lucky enough to be out in Abu Dhabi, maybe it was different, but watching it at home was excruciating, especially if, like me, you desperately wanted Chelsea to win this trophy. Uh, in a tight, tense, chess-like game, Chelsea finally broke the stubborn Palmieri's defence with, would you believe it, a proper old-fashioned striker's goal. A cross by Hudson-Odoi from the left was met by Lukaku, who rose like a horny salmon, to quote JK, and headed it into the goal. Who knew that this was a good way to score goals? We were in control, it seemed, much, much the better side, and then Lady Luck kicked us in the nuts, when Palmeiras were awarded a decidedly fortunate penalty courtesy of a silver handball. Palmeiras then assumed control and it was Chelsea hanging in there, our grip on the Club World Cup loosening by the minute. Both teams looked on their feet in extra time and then with five minutes to go, Palmeiras balanced out the handballs and a penalty was awarded to Chelsea. No Jorginho or Lukaku to take the most important penalty for Chelsea since Drogba in Munich 2012, so instead... Kai Havertz stepped up to the spot and, like so many Germans before him, coolly slotted it away to send us delirious and make Chelsea the champions of the world. And over and above being champions of the world, Chelsea have now won it all. Ah, God, that sounds good. There we go. The title for tonight's show can only be We've Won It All, Chelsea Fancast 875. Jonathan Kidd, um... We were so shitting it before, weren't we? And it's just so just lovely to be champions of the world at the end of it. Well, I, I did that thing of not wanting to care. I've done that a lot since I was little with not wanting to care about the team. So it then seems to soften the blow when we lose. 
Um, and then, of course, you realise afterwards, as I keep mentioning, the, the appalling blubbing moment behind a hedge when we won the 1997 Cup final. Um, it all comes out. Um, so, I, you know, I was sort of breezing into it, just thinking, oh, well, you know, nobody really cares about this competition. Um, but of course, um, of course, I cared enormously. And I was really uh, butterflies for the start of the game. Um, realised how important it was. I think particularly after we'd done the, uh, the preview show and because of the way that they were being talked up by the two Chelsea fans who happened to live in Brazil made me just think, God, they're a much better side than we thought. And what was interesting was when the game started, I thought, actually, no, no, we are a terrific side. I actually found some great positives out of playing out of that game, even though, once again, we had exactly the same problems we've been having all season and the problems we've been having with Lukaku. But uh, it meant it meant an enormous amount to me. And um, it was uh, it was despite I felt there was a terrible feeling in the last half hour that despite despite our being completely on top of them because they were knackered by then. But somehow we would fail to score and that they would win that win on pens. And uh, so what a relief that um, uh, the ref seemed to be uh, um, have a different interpretation of the handball or to the rest of us in particularly in the Premier League and gave the penalty and in a huge, huge kudos and hats off to Havertz. Quite a brilliant, 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 un, uh, under enormous pressure, just little stop and then slotting into the corner. I mean, absolutely fantastic. I know it's what he's paid for, but wow. And uh, yeah, huge sense of relief. I said in the uh, fan bite, I have to go and have a lie down, but I did. I just thought, oh, I can't quite deal with this, you know. But the It was... Um, it's great to have added it to the list of, of victories, despite all of Twitter trying to make out, opposition fans, how meaningless it was. If we lost it, you bet they'd have been on our backs for not having won it. So uh, it was um, it was great. It was it was great to have won it. And as you say, Chidge, we have indeed won it all. And I, I can't wait for the, uh, the chance at the ground. I was hoping, in fact, that the liquidator could have it. You could have, instead of the we hate Tottenham, somebody could actually say, uh, um, world club champions, Chelsea. Mm -hmm. Possibility. But yeah, I, I, it, was, it, was, it was magnificent in the end. Well, it's always great winning, isn't it, these things, regardless of how you do it. But as you say, Chidge, oh my goodness me. Oh, I mean, it was squeaky bum time. Bloody hell. Always is, mate. Always is. We kind of wouldn't have it any other way, really. So uh, who have we got with us tonight, JK? Oh, I don't know, Chidge. I can't say. It's a bit... It's, what, uh, oh, it's the excellent Dan Silva. Good evening, fellow World Club champions. Danny boy. How yeah. are you, mate? You well? Yeah, buzzing, buzzing. Yeah. I mean, you know, desperate, desperate to win it. I just thought it would perfectly square the Chelsea circle. And I was literally jumping up and down like a lunatic in my living room, trying to find... Couldn't sit still, couldn't keep... Oh, just... It was just so brilliant. Just so happy we won it. So, so happy. Yeah. Just absolutely thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly unenjoyable match, but thoroughly enjoyable in result. Yeah, absolutely right. Spot on, mate. Good to see you on this night of nights. Um, right, what have we got on the show tonight? I guess what we're going to be talking about. Well, uh, in part one, uh, we look at Tuchel's team selection, the injury to Mason Mount, Lukaku's goal, and the soft penalty awarded to Palmeiras. And in part two... We look at the strange but arguably match-winning subs by Tuchel, Iceman Havertz, Aspie and his key role in the penalty, 
and his status at the club having won it all. And we ask, with Chelsea having won it all, where next for the club? And last but my, by no means least, uh, a massive, massive thank you to Roman Abramovich, of course. And in part three, uh, we've got a slightly shortened show this week, but in part three, we've got the results of this week's fannies for the Club World Cup final. And we have an email to read out. Which is very, yeah, it's funny. I liked it, actually. Uh, And uh, as ever, don't forget, you can listen to the show live. Uh, Normally, I would... Live, exactly. I would say, well, it is normally every Monday, but for various reasons... I'm doing it at su- uh, on Sunday at 7pm tonight. But if you're you want- can understand it's Valentine's Day, Chich. They can understand that. Well, I mm-hmm. just wanted to de- didn't want to deprive all of our listeners of the opportunity of, you know, a romantic liaison. You know, it being yeah, Valentine's Day. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. all heart, yeah. really. No pun intended. Uh, anyway, so, yeah, you can go to Mixler.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast, where, of course, you can join in all of the chat. There is a, v- a very active, quite often hilarious uh, chat room there. And there's loads of people in there already so nice to see you all brian uh chelsea paul gallon daryl and uh diana's there diana's a lovely diana uh, andy the hutch loads and loads and loads of you good to see you as always so there you go now after this little break we will be back to talk about the football Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. And of course, we're here to talk about Chelsea being the champions of the world. Yes, that's right. We've won it all. Uh, and I am very, very, very chuffed about that. Now, the first thing is, I mean, it's quite funny, actually, because I listened to JK's brilliant fan by as ever uh, last night. And uh, I, he did actually say, he said that Chidge got the team right. I'm, I'm not entirely sure I did get the team right, JK. I, I got... other, than, other than Lukaku. No, I got I got Lukaku. I had I had I I, oh. I think I put Ziyech in to start. I mean, I think the main bone of contention I had with my lineup was that, of course, as we discussed on the show on Friday, we didn't play four at the back. We played three, um, but he didn't play Alonso, which was good. He played Hudson and Doy as the left wing back, which was okay. Um, and I was really happy. You know, I was very very happy with the fact that he played uh, Lukaku, Hazard, and Mount. I I happen to think that that's Hazard. No, Hazard. Havertz, yeah, Freudian slip. Uh, Havertz, Ma- uh, Havertz, Lukaku and Mount up front, which I think is arguably our strongest combination. Arguably our strongest combination. He did pick Mendy, not Kepa, which I predicted. Uh, and we had our, our best back three, which I was very happy about. I thought I thought maybe the, 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 you know, the odd thing, which I did differ on, was that Jorginho didn't start. In fact, interestingly enough, Jorginho didn't get get on at all. I, I'm kind of wondering... Nothing to do with it. Did, I wonder if he had a knock or something. It, it was something I should have mentioned on the fan bite, in fact, because it only occurred to me afterwards because he brought Saul on at the end, didn't he, with those very interesting tactical substitutions, which confused us at the time, but were, were seen to be the correct things. You know, one must have great faith in the uh, in the manager that way. He he he, he has a view, and he he, he obviously he obviously um, uh, um, over egged the midfield he put more and more players in midfield and only played three at the back there are only three there for the whole of the uh 
the whole of extra time. But yeah, there must have been a reason for him not not playing Jorginho. Perhaps he felt that um, um, the way they played in midfield, he'd be overrun. I don't know. It was it was a mystery. I'd like to uh, I'd like to ask him or anybody else on anybody on Mixler got a, a, a clue as to what that was about because I found that very mysterious. I'd be intrigued to know. I mean, Dan. You know, even even when I mean, he brought Saul on, didn't he, in the second half? Yeah. And and you know, I I. I I mean, I was I was surprised. I thought he might bring Jorginho on to close out the game, but he didn't. But I mean, all in all, actually, I thought that it made sense. I mean, we when we found out from the two guys who knew about Palmeiras more than we did that they're a very, you know, stoically defensive side who like to hit you on the break and have got some really pacey people up front. I suddenly realised that four at the back wasn't going to work. <laughs> By that time, I'd already done my team, you know, my team selection, so it was a bit late. But I had a feeling he'd go three at the back. But I'm really glad he had the sense to put somebody pacey like Hudson Odoi at left. But I think you know, fair play to him and Kante and Kovacic. Hard to argue, you know, are on form. You know, Kovacic has been brilliant for most of the season, and Kante is a big game player. So I had no grumbles about the team selection at all, really. No, I think I think Jorginho must have been injured because you don't bring you know Sal on over Jorginho in a in a really important match. I think Jorginho must have been carrying a knock and probably didn't have have the legs, so to speak. Because Kovacic is always going to start now because I think he's made himself pretty much undroppable with his performances. And then, you know, do you play Kante? Kante and Jorginho, probably the best two midfielders if you're going to play those two. So I think, you know, generally speaking, he got, he got the team right. Callum, Callum did have a decent game. I mean, he, he did track back a couple of times and he seems to be more adapting to, to wing back. Or they still, I got still confused, man. Didn't you get confused, though, by the fact that there he was, we're saying he played five at the at five, he played the five, but it was so, so, so few occasions did he appear to be defending. No, I mean, that, a couple, I mean, a couple of times he, he got, he made a great comeback attack at one point, I think in the first half. He, he did, he did, I remember. Yeah, very I remember. good one, yeah. very but good But I think one. part of it was... I, I, I think they I, had, Palmeiras had no attacking intent whatsoever. No, absolutely, absolutely. They, had, absolutely. they were literally hoping to get like a, a shithouse goal on the break. So it's almost like, you know, could play one at the back and we've done all right. I yeah. think this he got, he got the team right. I think, you know, like, Kovacic is much more mobile than Jorginho. You're always going to play a fit Kante. So for, for me, th- those two are, are probably our, our go-to, go-to starters. As much as I like Jorginho, I think Kovacic gives us so much more in transition. When he bombs forward, he takes oh, the ball. His, his, his ability to surge away from two players yeah. with the ball when you think he's bound to be tackled is, 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 is peerless. He's absolutely yeah. fantastic. I think he's great. He drives, drive, drives the ball. You know, Kante, just Kante, he's always... Although I don't think it's one of his best games yesterday. No, he's not. He's not. He's not quite on it at the moment. No, I was quite because he, he gave the ball away a lot. In one, yeah, he got he, tackled in one occasion when they almost scored. It was. Uh, yeah. It was awful. But um. Well, that, that, but no, that, I agree. That, I agree completely. But Chidge, what you were saying was was who? Did, why did we get Zayek wrong? Because we all all thought Zayek would play, didn't we? Well, because he thought that Mount Mount playing well. He thought that Mount well. He thought that Mount Lukaku and Havertz were the best three to play, and I I I I I have to say, fair enough. I mean, I don't think Mount had a particularly good game. And of course, poor old Mount got injured after 30 minutes, didn't he? Which yeah. scared the shit out of me because I think he could be out for a while. But Pulisic yeah, he's did. Done his, he's, done his, he's done his ligaments, hasn't he? I yeah. don't know. If, I've not heard yeah, the he latest has, news. Pickle yeah. C, he does, he's done his, done his ligaments and get more. Well, they get a scan today. All right. So, so we, don't, we don't know the extent of it. But yeah. I, I mean, I, probably a month, I would reckon, depending on how bad it is. But in fairness, Pulisic, I thought, did really, really well when he came on. He looked good. Absolutely agree. Agree, other than the one really? chance he had when he, when he slid it wide after a very good move, sudden very good move. But I agree, that was the best I've seen him play for ages and ages. Yeah. I thought he was, he, was, he was fluent and fluid and seemed to deal with being fouled a lot 
in a way that we haven't seen that before. No, I, I was impressed actually. I thought, and I think he was playing more in his position, wasn't yeah, he? That was definitely. The, yeah, I just thought just it, literally his best game for a long, long time. He just looked confident. I mean, the stats were, you know, uh, eighty-seven pass success, hundred percent dribble success, four recoveries. I mean, he was really good. He could have had a couple of goals at the end as well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. he looked the threat. He looked. He looked happy. He looked more like he had he had it in him because you know. Up until the Arsenal game, when he got a really bad injury, which I don't think anyone realizes how bad that's affected him, he was absolutely outstanding. He actually looked like the, the player we all thought we had. Very, very impressive. Sort of, was he on for seventy minutes or so after Matt went off? Yeah, easily really that. Easily yeah, that. I'm really impressed. Yeah, yeah, no, he did well. I'm pleased to see that because I mean, I, 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 I want to see Pulisic do well. I want to see him succeed. I want to see the player back for us that we had before we that do, injury. Don't we, Chich? We yeah. want because he was great. He, he was. was great. You know, we, we thought, wow, we've got a great player for the future here. And it's been all in fits and starts. But I thought he was, I just wish he'd scored. He had a lovely opportunity when he was put through first time. They seem to be trying to shoot a little bit more on sight, which I love. And and um, Werner, when he came on, um, was terrific. Yeah, really good. Absolutely excellent. Positive. Only yeah. offside once, apparently. Which is, yeah. Which is yeah. I, I think, generally speaking, when you had a team that had zero attacking intent, well, very well drilled, very well set up by their coach, very hard to create any chances when they are they got a block, a block, and a block, and that's yeah. it. Very hard. I mean, it was almost like a, you know a game of keep ball for for most well, I mean, of the match. I thought, I thought actually, I mean, okay, you kind of watch the match in so many different uh, kind of ways, don't you? I mean, on the one hand, it was excruciating because I was so desperate for Chelsea to win it. On the other, if you kind of can take take the emotion out of it for yourself and watch it, it was a very interesting tactical chess-like game. Ferreira is a good manager; he knows his onions, and Brazilians are are, are, are smart cookies. And I, and I thought it was fascinating the way that actually they would, you know, they started off really quickly. They pressed us really high and aggressively for the first ten minutes. I thought, and we kind of got round that. And then they started defending really, really deep. And I thought it was really interesting because it was encouraging Silver, Rudiger and Christensen to play very, very high up the pitch. So they they were becoming, uh, in a sense, more like our midfield, which bunched everything up, of course, which I think was Palmeiras' game plan. And it also... And just hang on a sec, and and it, yeah. and, it, and, it, and it allowed them, I thought, to do exactly what their game plan was, J.K., which is what you were saying, which is to seize quickly on any opportunity to break if we lost the ball, which we kind of do, and then hit us really quick. When of course, if we got you know Silver, Rudiger, and uh, Christensen pushed up, would leave us very, very vulnerable. And that happened a few times in the first half. And I thought that's really clever. It's rope a dope. Yeah. Completely, but it, it was why well, I mentioned Brentford on the fan bike because that was very similar to the league. You Cup. were dead right, dead right. It, which is, and I was intrigued as to how you're absolutely right, Chidge. They they sat back so far that the only pressing they did was when we came over the halfway line, which was absolutely well. It was it was Brentford like, but it allowed Silver to actually have that shot in the first half, which which you almost scored from, which is unprecedented, seeing Silva get that far forward. And it was a really decent shot. And uh, he, he palmed it around the post, even though I don't think it was going in at the time. But um, uh, I still think we were we were once again profligate in the in the final third. Um, uh, uh, but I, there's a lot to be said for just being quicker with the shots. We've been going on about this for weeks and weeks, about not taking two touches on things. 
And um, and I think Pulisic actually helped with that when he came on by by because of the swiftness of his passing. But nonetheless, it was it was still a very tactical first half that we should have been we should have been ahead over. I just think that this even we shoot from distance, we still don't manage to hit the target, which I find absolutely bizarre. The amount of skill there is in the team is that the number of shots we have that are, you know, we go, oh, that's not bad. It's not far away. No, it mustn't be not far away and not bad. It must be on target. Well, JK, in, in, in the whole match, uh, you know, we had three shots on goal uh, and 16 shots off goal, off target. Yeah. Got to work the goalkeeper. Absolutely, mate. 70% of the time, you've got to work the goalkeeper. But also, what about the target? You've got seventy percent of the time. You've got to work the keeper. The keeper make any difficult saves? No, I can't recall. No, well, even, even the thought... couple of easy ones, and he made a meal of them. The keeper well, he did a bit, he... a bit of Hollywood, didn't he? With some of his saves. Yeah, you really yeah. did. But that one when Havertz went up for the ball with him, and Havertz oh, legitimately yeah. went for it, and he, he ended up in a pile and managed to some somebody managed to somehow for no apparent reason fall over on onto Havertz. It was nowhere near it. Just ran in. And fell over on top of him. You just think, they, oh, come on, Brent. It was, it was the, uh, the amount of time they, they're quite happy for Tiago to have the ball. And then just as soon as we got within sort of 40 yards of the goal, and they started to press. It was like left, right, left, yeah, right, yeah. no break, no break, left, right, no break, left, right, left, right, left, right. As was mentioned by, by Mark Hughes, didn't you think who I oh, thought he was so dull, wasn't they, he? They were that well, they both they bigged up the whole reappearance of how, how well Pamarius were playing, and you just yeah. thought, Oh, come on, it's not necessary. They were trying to make something of it, you know. But I think he was right about set pieces, though. I think they both were. We were very poor, and Mount in particular at the beginning was absolutely off it with any free kicks. They're not, you know, it it, it hit either hitting the goalkeeper or the first man or overhitting it. And Adoy actually, as well, that was what was his problem. Is I mean, I was intrigued for the goal. He actually managed to hit it left footed and hit it perfectly. And you think then immediately afterwards had a right footed one, hit it out for, for a yeah. throw in. You just think, oh, what, what, they, it's, it's this fine tuned aspect of it that he keeps going on about, Tuchel, the precision in the final third. Well, I mean, but it was set pieces, the corners. How many corners did we have? Um, no, do you want no, to know? Do you want to know? Yeah. Okay, I can tell yeah. you if you wait one second and I can actually see it because the writing's so flaming small. Uh, we only we only had seven actually compared to their three. I mean, if you look at if you look at the stats completely, you know yeah. you can see that we dominated the game. That's for sure. I mean, I'm glad I'm glad you brought uh, Hudson Odoi up actually because you know I, I I described the goal in the intro, didn't I? As as a proper old fashioned goal, left winger puts in a, puts in a cross with his left foot. Big, big number nine heads the ball in like a horny salmon, as you said. Um, but here's the thing about that. I mean, we've had this quite quite long and ongoing debate, haven't we, Dan, about is Lukaku shit or is he not getting the service? And I think it's been a bit of both, to be really honest. But there's no doubt in my mind that, A, the midfielders don't move the ball quickly enough forwards, which gives him a chance because he likes to play on the shoulder of a defender. He doesn't get the space to do that. So the best you can expect in that situation is that he lays it off to somebody, although he's often crowded out. But the absolute best way to get something out of him is to get to the byline and put in a decent cross. So why the fucking fuck? Do we have a guy who's right-footed on the left wing who refuses to cross with his left foot and a guy who's on the right wing who's left-footed who refuses <laughs> to cross with his right foot? Because all that means they, they do is they cut back in and it makes it easier to defend and they have to lay it off square and the ball goes fucking sideways again. Yeah. It's the, the moment oh, shoot, he's gone. I mean, both both are, both the goals in the club both came from Lukaku being the six-yard box, picking up a, a scrap for the first one and a, a really good header. I mean, that was um, that was that was always going in. I mean, fairly finished Lukaku's two performances over here. He's he's kind of got a little bit better, a bit more involved, a bit more kind of aggressive. 
and I don't, there's, there's a video floating about when Havertz's penalty went in, he's really engaged with the bench. I mean, he really, you know, if there was any kind of, you know, Ow. tensions, yeah. he was like proper fist pumping and what have you. Uh, this is making a bit of confidence now, but who would have thought it? Across, quick, quick cross, boom, goal, done. It's simple. Football's a very simple game. It is. Overcomplicate, overcomplicate it at our peril. Um, Callum, Callum did well, saw the opportunity, maybe because he had that yard of space the first time he got it in. He, didn't, he thought, oh, I can do this now, because normally he's quite tightly marked, so he has to sort of cut back. But boom, straight in, right in the danger area, keeper's not coming for it, in between defenders, bang, easy. Proper so goal, easy. proper goal. Yeah, proper goal from a proper centre forward. Right? Mick Harford would be proud of that header. Mm, yeah, indeed. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, J.K. I mean, I, I mean, are they told to do this or something? I just don't understand it. I mean, it what, was told so to cut it, cut back. You mean yeah. with the other foot? Well, well, why, why else would they have wrong-footed players on each wing? I think it's because perhaps in training they do the the Robin thing of cutting across and putting the ball in the corner, like like Zayek did the other day for that wonder goal. Um, but. Uh, what was the game where he actually changed them round to their um, oh fuck I can't uh, remember now ages ago to their uh, he he changed it as a tactical thing and they immediately scored um, earlier on in the season um, and we all said yes I think that should happen more often and it didn't yeah. and then we were actually thinking well perhaps he Adoy plays better on the left hand side cutting in and so um, I I don't know it was it was. It was the immediacy of him not thinking in terms of "oops, I've got to use my better foot." He just, he just straight in and straight and a, and and that difficult, difficult place just in front of the goalkeeper in that environment, um, which uh, after so did it at the weekend. Plymouth did it actually with the crowding, crowding Kepper, um, not at the weekend, the week before, um, crowding Kepper and. Uh, making it difficult for him to get to the ball because he's the ball has been played as near to the post as possible. I mean, surely that it's not going to be difficult for them. Surely to play out swinging corners all the time just leads to the the defence having a, an advantage, getting the ball out of the penalty area. Don't you think, Dan? I did, but I just kind of like slightly go for a tangent here. But when when Reese and Chilwell come back. You know, are we going to need wingers per se? Because then you suddenly yeah. find that the car is. You're good. right. You're right. Yeah, because you know, without a doubt, I think I think one of the journalists, I think I think it might be Matt Law tweeted that had Chelsea not had injury problems, the, the club really think that we would have been there or thereabouts. I think they're right. I think they're spot on. One hundred percent spot on. You know, you know, Callum's not wing back, but he does a good job. I just, I don't, it's just very complicated. The other tweet I saw was that Chelsea would have been seriously changing City. They need better attacking players. I don't necessarily think that's true. I think the attacking players are more decisive who will actually have an impact on the game, every game, not just one in five or one in six, because there's no doubt the talent these players have got, but they're just so well, lacking. I don't know what it is. There's just something missing from that, those players. Know, it's it's just, chemistry, the chemistry, I guess. Yeah, chemistry and all the rest. Well, I think this is what's going on, because JK and I have been moaning for weeks about why he keeps picking Lukaku, but I, I think he's doing it for a reason. I think he's trying to play him back into form. In other words, he's trying to make it work. And I think that's actually the right thing to do because, you know, you cannot... I mean, if you think about Frank, and I'm I'm not sure if this is a criticism of Frank, but Frank ditched quite a few players, didn't he? I mean, look at Rudiger. That's a good example. He decided Rudiger wasn't for him, and look at Rudiger now. You know, so, you know, I think with Lukaku, the problem is, is, is very, very different, obviously. We've spunked nearly 100 million quid on this guy, we can't sell him for that if he's shit. It's just not going to work. So the best thing to do is to try and make it work at all costs. 
So playing him every week might do that. I tell you what I thought was really interesting, and I think this feeds into what you both were saying about you know this uh, pr- proliferation of wingers that we have, which we might not need if we've got James and Chilwell providing the, ri- the width, which I think is a better option anyway. But I think maybe what we're beginning to see, and I hope we're beginning to see, actually, because I think it's a great idea, is Havertz and Lukaku kind of playing as a front two. Because actually, I think Lukaku, given that you know he does have a problem that I think only afflicts the likes of City, Liverpool and us, which is that teams will defend in numbers against us and they won't get that space. We're not going to counterattack those sides. So you either have to have the skill to beat them individually, which I don't think he does, or he, as a presence, he can lay the ball off. And Havertz does have the skill to beat people. So I think Havertz and Lukaku, more or less as a two going forward, could be the way ahead, Dan. Yeah, absolutely. And Lukaku's best football with Milan, which was Arturo Martinez. Yeah. So, you know, those two, you know, not similar sort of players, but with the two, then you've got the wing backs and you can, you know, have a, a mount. Listen, Lukaku's not, is a very good player. His record speaks for it. He struggled a bit, the injuries, COVID, the interviews. So he's not really had a great season, but the talent is there. The goal record speaks for itself. Play him into form or, you know, what, what can you do? He's £100 million asset. You know, the book value is next season £78 million, which is maybe achievable, possibly, but who knows? But, you know, I think we they those two together they look, we look much better in parts over the last oh, two games, oh, albeit against inferior Havis. opposition. I thought Havertz had a fine game yesterday, actually. Havertz is great, you know. Yeah. I, did you see um, old Dimitri get absolutely embarrassed by the club? <laughs> he did, didn't he? So, and then, yeah. He put, what does Havertz do? Oh, Chelsea win trophies. That was really good, wasn't it? He's a good, he's a good lad, Dimitri. Sp- Dimitri speaks a lot yeah. of sense. He knows his... Very, as the, as no, the youngsters say, stuff. Dan, he knows ball. He does. Know, he, knows, he knows soccer ball really well. <laughs> but I, I, I... Listen, we're kind of like, you know, it's a bit churlish, you know, we, we won it. You know, we're never going to play beautiful football week in, week out. Reese James, Ben Chilwell, massive misses. That's why we're spluttering and coughing and what have you. And the other thing is that Tuchel never doesn't necessarily play the same players week in, week out. So there's no chance to play chemistry. Because you know, if, if Dob and when we had Robin and Duff, that was chemistry. When they were fit, they played pretty much every week, guaranteed. They played some fantastic football. We did, so we're not trying to tell Tuchel how, what to do, but... A bit of consistent. Next five, six games, just keep the same attacking players. So they get a chance to build some chemistry. You know, Dan. I, Dan, I think he will. You know, because I think yeah. you, you, great. One of the things we all love about Tuchel hugely is the fact that this guy doesn't bullshit. He's honest as the day is long, and he says it all. All you have to do is take a an archive of every press conference he's ever done, and you'll know exactly what he's intending to do. And he said a few weeks ago that he felt a bit bad because he felt he screwed up because he hadn't been doing exactly that he'd been changing things too much and he felt maybe he needed to give players a run in the side to see if they can do that build that chemistry I think that's exactly what's going to happen he says right you got says he picks two wins right you've got five six games you can play every week unless you're injured make your make yourself undroppable yeah. then it's down to them to perform definitely and yet he tactically does change teams according to the team he's playing against and their strengths because I think he played a doy were left wing back knowing that they wouldn't come out and therefore he didn't need that presence on the left as an attacker. More, more defensive presence. As a defender, yeah. I should say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it made it more attacking. And I have to say hats off to Dave, who's made a, a, a great job of things in the last um, the last few games, uh, subbing, really depping for for Reese. Because yes. um, you know, even though he can't cross, we've established that. He's a, he's such a willing, willing player. Yeah. You know. I mean... Dave, can we talk about Dave's penalty stuff? Or is that coming no, later? No, no, no. Keep your powder dry on that one, Dave. Yeah. I mean, right. you know, I, th- I think just to, to close off on the Lukaku thing, 
you know i think we have actually do you know what i think we've done it let's talk about the the next thing that happened after that goal which was very annoying really um i have to say when i saw it live and it's, uh, tv pictures were a bit shit i have to say because the, the cameras were a long way away but i didn't think that was handball even on the replays but i mean it, it was a handball by silver so i can understand why they gave it but very unlucky because his arm kind of got pushed into the ball by the bloke's Indeed. shoulder Indeed, that's exactly what happened, is he got buffeted and, uh, and his arm was out. But what I found ridiculous was the referee. We saw what the referee was looking at and you couldn't see his arm because it was, it was masked by the player's shoulder from that angle. So he just must have accepted what the VAR said because we got given a picture, didn't we, of all the banks of VAR people in their refereeing outfits, which I do find slightly ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I did laugh at that. Yeah, like Yeah, he was uh, exactly. But I was actually wondering whether they they all had had jeans on just with the shirts because they knew there was only going to be that one shot of them from behind. But um, uh, yeah, it was it was uh, it seemed very soft indeed. And in fact, none of the players um, appealed for it at all, other than I think the manager went slightly berserk about yeah, it. And did. then then they all started um, going up to the referee that they hadn't at the time. And that's normally a sign to me that they don't think that it's uh, it's that serious. I mean, having said that, though, the, you could say that the 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 other one, the other penalty, was was similarly hard. No, that, that was that. I mean, I I can understand why the first one was given letter of the law and all of that, but I thought the other one was much more clear cut. You know, his arm went up and the ball hit it, and it was going goal bound. So it was going in. Yeah. That's true. It was. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying, generally speaking, VAR was done really well. Yeah. Well. Sending off at the end was great. Quick, was it a 30 second check? Done. Red card. So the problem is, and that's a different show, British officials, not VAR. I thought everything was done really quickly. There's no, both were clear cut, harsh maybe, both clear cut penalties. Red cards was clear, dealt with, done. You're absolutely right, Dan. It was the quickest that I've seen. He just let play go on, stopped it when, when it stopped, when play yeah. stopped in case anything happened. Sat, stood there with his finger in his ear, straight off to look at the camp, look yeah. at the monitor, awarded it. And now you think uh, he's basically he's accepted what VAR have told him. Yeah, just it go. didn't it, it didn't diminish our assessment of him as a ref. No. We didn't think he's got it wrong, the bastard. We thought yes, VAR have seen the angle and and we didn't see it. We accept that he's given the penalty. It doesn't. It it's there's so much ego gets in the way of British refereeing. It is embarrassing. Yeah, I totally totally right. like idiots in front of In fact, I just thought he did really well. All decisions were spot on, harsh maybe, but penalties. Red, red card, I thought actually in play, I thought he caught him, but came back, right decisions, good refereeing. And he, and he, he, he did, he let the game flow. Little, in terms, there's a couple of tackles which were a bit naughty, but he didn't really make it about him, which is the most important thing. He let the game flow. He, he, a few he, little cynical, dirty fouls they were doing just to win a free yeah, kick. He, Great. He a bit... but I, don't, I don't mind dark arts, that's all part of the game. That's he what was you a bit gullible, He was a bit gullible, though. Uh, I thought, Dan, with with the bit when when because they're they're relying on on getting the ball down the pitch as quickly as possible after they've got it and running after it. If we had it, were in a position to get there in time or to or to catch up with the player, um, they do that thing of just throwing themselves to the ground. Yeah. And and he gave lots of those fouls when we saw it back in slow motion. The bloke hasn't been touched. That's just that's just. Dark Arts, Mourinho, no, completely, completely. But he, yeah. but he. In fact, I think even Mark Hughes mentioned that they, you know, they've 
they, that's obviously something they do is they get those fouls, you know, yeah. they, you, but that's an area where I think referees need to be more savvy and need to work with the, with the um, linesman more because the linesman is in a position to actually see what's going on on the pitch. Well, right? When you kind of go across something like that, it's very difficult to know there's been contact. They, they very, it's almost like Indeed. an art form, isn't it? Such no, indeed, it is. that's that's the problem. Isn't you it? wrap your foot around the defender yeah. to go down, all that kind of. There stuff. were a couple though when I just thought, now come on, there's been absolutely no contact here at all. Yeah. You've, you've lost the ball and you've decided that you'll you'll you know you've got the angle right to fling yourself. And the ref, the ref's in the center circle because he once again, that's the problem with it. You you so have to rely on the the uh, the um, assistant referees, and they're not they're similarly not quite up with it because they're worrying about offside most of the time. It it makes yeah. sense, you know. Um, indeed, it does. I, I I agree with you both. Actually, I thought he didn't do badly at all. Far 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 less intrusive than uh, British referees for all the reasons that we know and love or hate. I can't remember which, but there you go. Um, right, we're going to have a quick break. Uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to talk more about the uh, well. We're going to talk about more about the second half next time, really. So the strange subs, Havertz being very cool German, Aspie and the role he played, and then sum it all up with what it all means to us and the club as a whole. But uh, before that, of course, uh, there should be... I mean, when's the next game? Palace away. Well, I can guarantee you that uh, you'll still be able to buy a copy of the wonderful CFC UK fanzine. And, of course, whenever you're at home, you can get it from the CFC UK store, which is opposite the exit to Fulham Broadway Tube. Um, but if you can't get it in person for only a pound, hurry up, uh, then you can actually get it uh, posted to you. All right. So if you're in the UK, uh, a, a year subscription will cost you 16 quid. Uh, individual copies are two quid. Uh, uh, in Europe, it's 35 quid. Rest of the world, 45 quid. That's for a proper, you know, physical copy. But you can also get it digitally. Um, in other words, you get a PDF emailed to you. That will cost you six quid uh, wherever you are in the world. Individual issues will be one pound, only a pound. Now, um, if you do want either of those options, all you have to do is email fanzine at cfcuk.net and uh, it'll all be sorted out for you and you need to do it because some of the writers and the writing in there is absolutely brilliant, apart from mine, obviously. But, uh, you know, Tim Rolls... Uh, Kelvin Barker, Mark Worrell, Walter Otten, Clayton Dino, a lot of fan casters in there, Mark Meehan. So there you go. It's, it is the best fanzine for Chelsea by by a country mile. There we go. Now we'll be back for a minute in a minute for part two. Cheech. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all... No more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. 
I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> and where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast with me, Stanford Chidge, him down there, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Hello. And they absolutely I tell you you've been quite you're quite sage like tonight, Dan. Good to see you, by the way. But yes, very sage like. He gets more and more sage, doesn't he? He does, doesn't he? He does as he comes on. I think it's It's uh, about time. Oh, very good, very good. There we go. Good to see you both. It's a bit kind of like a little, you know. I mean, I, I should, I should let you know. I mean, Dan, I know he 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 said this uh, to me on WhatsApp, so I know he won't be offended when I say this. But when I put the schedule together and suddenly realised, oh fuck, I've got one down for Valentine's Day on the Monday. I thought, okay, who who will I who can I get on who won't mind that it's Valentine's Day? So obviously J.K. and me because we're miserable and old and past that kind of thing. And I thought, well, da- Dan's <laughs> single now; he'll be all right. He won't he won't have to apologise to his better half. Uh, and then, of course, I got I got really guilty, Dan, about my wife being a bit pissed off, so I've moved, moved it to the Sunday. But that's why we're only three of us tonight rather than four, which we normally are. So there we go. The uh, yes, the hardcore, as it were. Now. Um, Let's talk about uh, Tommy T's subs because um, they did seem a little odd at the time. Um, I'm trying to remember. I mean, he made he made some at the, in the first half, didn't he? At the end of the first half, didn't he? I think didn't he bring on some people? I can't remember now. Yes, going... yes, he did. And then he made changes at um, at half time as uh, at, at um, full time as well, didn't he? Yeah, I'm trying no, to I... go on. Go on. You were saying. Well, he, he had. Yeah, he had to bring on Pulisic for Mount, so we knew that. But the next two, actually, were interesting. Because I was going to say, actually, that penalty that Palmeiras got, I mean, I thought for the 10 minutes after we scored, we looked in complete control and threatening and like we would put the game to bed. They scored that penalty out of nothing. I mean, they'd hardly made an attack that was really, really worrying. They got this penalty out of nothing. And they suddenly, for the next 10, 15 minutes, they looked real. I mean, we looked like we were going going to pieces and they were well on top. You know, so it was all a bit worrying, I thought. But, uh, you know, Tuchel made uh, some important subs, didn't he? And I'm trying to find out where the fuck I wrote it down. There we go. Uh, Saul and Werner came on for Lukaku and Hudson-Odoi on 76 minutes. Now, you could argue that's a bit confusing. Why did he take Lukaku off, who'd actually done reasonably well? Why did he bring Saul on uh, instead of Jorginho? Uh, and I thought what had happened was that they'd gone to a four-three-three. I, I could understand why he was putting three in midfield because I felt that's what he was doing because they were swamping us at the time, and we needed to to bridge that, you know, or st- stem that flow. So three in midfield to bolster a tiring Kovacic and Kante made sense to me. 
But actually, what, what I didn't realise at the time was that he actually went 3-5-2 because he pulled, um, he pulled uh, Pulisic back, didn't he? Uh, to be the left wing back. And of course, that meant that uh, Werner and Havertz were the two up front. And actually, I thought that was really smart. I didn't at the time, but looking back on it, I thought, you know what? That was really, really smart. I quite like what you've done there, Mr. T. So there you go. What do you think, JK? Well, I, I, we shouldn't question, really. No, who, who are we to question the great <laughs> Thomas Tuchel? Was it... You know, it, it works and he's seen something and he decided that uh, um, he didn't want um, Lukaku on anymore. Uh, I, I read that when um, um, Saul came on, his stats weren't very good at all because, um, uh, in fact, they were saying it was a, it was a somewhat confusing as to why he, he was on the pitch at all, um, which I, I would be, I'd like to find out what the stats were. But... Um, um, it, it obviously made them play a certain way because particularly when for the, for the whole of the extra time period, we, whether they, I was worried, not worried. I was intrigued to see whether they were exhausted or not. This was a prophecy, wasn't it? That we would be much fitter than them. Um, and I, I was intrigued whether we're going to go on to this, what their manager said at the end of the game was that he felt that um, uh, they were a proper team because they, most of their players came from Brazil, whereas most of our players came from, all over Europe. Although their manager think... came from Portugal, so go figure. He, he what a wanker. He didn't, he didn't think that was fair. And I thought, I don't think I've heard this argument for about 25 years, actually. I don't, uh, since um, since Viali played a whole European side. Wasn't and, wasn't um... he in the bad lieutenant, Abel Ferreira? <laughs> He's our former Chelsea right back. He wasn't Abel <laughs> Ferreira. He looked a bit like Paolo, didn't he, actually? I thought maybe, yeah, maybe they're brothers was... or something. He was a seven out of ten Ferrero, wasn't he? Oh, with lovely hair, uh, very good hair. Unbelievable. Yeah. Sorry, probably Jack. better hair, better hair than Alonso, actually. Probably. No, 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 no. Nobody's got better hair than Alonso. I think Nobody. Paolo That's will be Sorry about a challenge. I don't know, actually. Paolo was always my. He had my favourite hair. I have to say, but I think I think Alonso's surpassed it. I remember I got a chant. Uh, it must have been. I can't remember what match it was. Now it might have been a, a friendly or something. But I happened to find myself at the back of the Matthew Harding, and I. I got a I got a chant for Paolo Paolo Ferreira going because I I was in love with his hair so much. JK, I completely trampled on your train of thought. Then where were you going with it? Yes, they were looking tired, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this was this was a theory uh, before the game. In fact, that they would have difficulty if it went to extra time, just because of the the amount of chasing of the ball they would have to do. But I think I think that's inevitable if you if you set up just to be. Um, uh, to be utterly defensive because it, 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 there's very little you can do other than, you know, if, if, if the opposition, the one thing we have, which we're so good at in the, is the, in the two thirds, Liam discussed it on Friday with that terrific article as well that he wrote that we're, we're second. I mean, we're, we're almost equal to, to uh, city and Liverpool in that domination of the ball in the first two thirds of the pitch the difficulty we have is getting shots we're 21st or something aren't we in the list he said with actually in europe with actually getting the ball into the net in comparison and yet um it must be very difficult for sides to uh to manage if we're playing with such skill and we that's why i said the positive i got out of watching them is their palmeiras were being set up for us particularly even by the by the, the two Chelsea boys on Friday as being this really difficult team to play against. And actually, we're very good. 
you know, we are, we are champions of Europe. We're a very good team. We pass the ball beautifully and get into fantastic positions and exhaust the opposition. And by the time that we got to extra time, I actually was thinking, how is this going to go? Bloody hell, are they going to play as well as they did in the last? Well, it was weird, wasn't it, Chijachi? Because for 15 minutes, we were under the cosh. And then for about the last seven minutes, including the five minutes of... Um, of time added on, we got corner after corner and I thought we might score and then not have to go through the, the, the supposing, I thought, awfulness of extra time. Extra time started, all they did was sit back. Yeah, they were playing, for, pe- they were got, playing for penalties. Playing for penalties, but I got the impression they were, they were knackered. They didn't even do anything were, uh, up front of any import. They just didn't, they couldn't get the ball. And we were still as fresh, we're not fresh, obviously, but we're still very much in charge of it. In fact, more and more in charge of it. And that's when I got worried because I thought we still can't get the ball in the net despite being absolutely in charge. And that's, he felt the same because um, he he left us with three at the back. He thought, well, they're not going to be any of a, of a threat to us at all, which was obviously something that the coaching staff had, and and tacticians had worked out through watching them. So, uh, um, but it, it, I mean, that was where my train of thought was going. Essentially, was that that we are we are a, a terrific side despite this problem that we've yeah. got in the final third. You know, we are, we are, we are. Dan, very hard side to beat. That's the thing. Really yeah. hard side to beat. We don't. I think look at Thomas Tickle's stats, you, you know, wins, draws, not that many goals in. I just think just, you know, bring on Timo and gives us a bit more presence up front. You know, more persons run down the channels, pull defenders apart and so on. I don't think Sal had that bad a game. He didn't, he didn't do much, but he didn't do much wrong either. I mean, he wasn't, he's not there to, you know, be put, you know, balls on a sixpence just to control the midfield and yeah, just make sense. Which all, which all he did, you know, I don't think his stats could be that bad. I thought, thought, no, no, thought, thought Saar was good as well. Yeah. I mean, I thought, I thought I all, you know, the subs were all good. Sorry, Jake. I thought all the subs were good, mate. Yeah. I didn't have a quick problem question. with it. One second. Yeah, okay. It, had it gone to penalties, could we have brought Yes, Kepler. yes, I, I didn't. I didn't think so. But I, I, as it happens, I was on a big, big, a bit of a plug for these boys because they are lovely. Um, um, yeah, and Nick uh, and Jack, you know, from that Chelsea podcast, Nick yeah, yeah. asked me to come on it a few weeks ago. So I, I was up early this morning to talk to Nick about it. I had a really good chat with him, actually. And um, I, I, like you, thought that we'd taken off too many subs because we'd taken off five, which I thought, oh, shit, that means we can't bring Kepper. At the time, I thought, shit, we can't bring Kepper on for the penalties. But... Um, Actually, uh, Nick, being young and far more abreast of the facts than a silly old codger like me, said, no, 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 Chidge, you can, you can bring an extra one on, on in extra time. So there you go. I just say that I knew that. Yeah, well, I know because you... And I'm, and I'm a codger. You're well informed, unlike me, mate. What can I say? So there you go. Um, anyway, yeah, it was looking... For, it did look like it was going to penalties, actually. I've got to be honest. I mean, maybe that's just me looking through it in my excru- excruciated lenses. Um, but of course, they gave away that that silly penalty, which, as I said, I think that was far more of a penalty than ours was. But in a funny old sense, I wonder if if he hadn't if he hadn't given the first penalty, would he have given the second? So, in a funny old sense, you know, them getting that dodgy penalty probably helped us weirdly. Uh, and then we got it. And I mean, what can we say about Kai Havertz? Because I, I think the cojones to take. I mean, we'll talk about the Aspie element of it in a minute. But you know, the cojones to slot that away. I mean, what a fucking player, man. Yeah, I think he's got balls of steel. I don't think anything phases it. Was he 22, 23? Yeah. Just, he's just very, very German in everything he does. He's confident. <laughs> Doesn't, nothing phases him. 
you know, Germans and penalties. You know, apart from 2012, they just got that mentality. His mentality is winning first class mentality. I don't any the little little stubble stubble <laughs> little kind of what's what what's the word? It's completely blank, kick, isn't it? It's a kind of stop. stutter. Slightly stop the run up. Yeah, stutter. Thank you very much. Mine's gone blank. And then. In the corner, beautiful penalty. Never faced for a moment. Did you, did you think it. he was going to get get it before? I mean, do you think he was going to score before he kicked it? I knew he'd score. I just thought he's, he's German. German scored penalties. I think it was because also I thought Aspi was going to take it. I thought I had a tweet where to go. Oh, nah. Aspi gets a winning Aspi gets a winning penalty in what might be his last major final for Chelsea. Did you How, really think Aspi was going to take it? I don't know because like, he's taking penalties and shootouts before he takes quite a good penalty. It's not a good. Yeah, okay. I thought, oh, Aspi, I mean, Aspi getting the winner. He's doing his inner Ivanovic for well, 2013, you know. Good point, yeah. I mean, my first yeah. thought my first thought was, oh, shit, Jorginho's not on the pitch. Because, of course, you know, we've got so attuned to Jorginho burying every penalty. I mean, he's brilliant at it. And I thought, oh, fuck, he's going to take the penalty. So my, I thought, oh, right, OK, it's going to be Werner. And I thought, yeah. oh, maybe not, because I've seen him miss them for us. It's, and then yeah, I thought, yeah. Pulisic, Pulisic, he's bound to be able to take a penalty, you know, because he takes them for the States. So I thought, oh, yeah. that, I didn't think it would be Havertz, oddly. And then Havertz stepped up and I thought, oh, God, I'm not sure about this. And I thought, oh, yeah, he's German. We'll be all right. We'll be all right. You know, so, <laughs> what a weird, that's all going in the space of your mind in about like a nanosecond, I, isn't it? I tend to be unbelievably fatalistic about this. I just, the person takes the penalty and I think, oh, they're pretty good, aren't they? They've scored before. Let's just see what happens. You know, who knows? And uh, uh, and of course, anything. Yeah, why did I ever doubt him? I always because get really it, negative, J.K. Before, but I, they're going to miss. They're going to miss. It's all not. It's all going to go. I just I see everything flash in front of my eyes. You know, I, I'm terrible. I mean, the Drogba one in Munich. Okay, I, I kind of overrode my uh, inherent negativity by deciding already that he was going to miss. Okay, he'd fucked up with giving the penalty away. He's going to miss it. So I might as well just sit down and have a fag. And that's exactly what I did. You know, I, I I just thought, fuck it. You know, we're gonna, it's gonna be. You know, I might as well get my depression in early, is how I felt. And I'm gonna spark up a fag. If they kick me out now, the match is bloody finished anyway, so I don't care. So that that was that was where I was. Of course, in a, and, you know, like a second or two later, it was complete mayhem and completely different. But I'm so negative when it comes to penalties. I really am. see. That's the English in me coming. I've seen us, Chelsea and England, miss so many flaming penalties in my lifetime. I'm resigned to it. Crazy. Hey ho. I think they've got better now, haven't they? He said he was third, didn't he? Say he was third. Yeah, he was third because Rob was Rob was second. Yeah, yeah, which was in, I thought was interesting. I mean, let's talk about habits for a minute because um I mean I think I think we're all, all I think everybody, every every one of us on the fan cast is a big habits fan. We all see something in this kid that is quite special. We haven't quite worked out where his best position is, which is quite often a problem with really, really, really good players. Um, but I, I'm just wondering how, how, I mean, it's an incredible start to his career, isn't it? Which, let's be honest, has been a bit up and down, quite often injury and acclimatisation related. But, you know, and COVID. And, well, yeah, you know, he's been out injured. He's had COVID, all these things. It's not been easy for him. And yet he's he's now scored the winner in a, in a Champions League final. He's now scored the winner in a World, Club, a World Cup club final. I mean, bloody hell. I mean, I, I read this stat, uh, which is quite interesting, is that, He's the first player to score the match-winning goal in both the Champions League and the FIFA Club World Cup final since Lionel Messi for Barcelona. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be the next Lionel Messi, but, I mean, it's an incredible start. And where, how far can he go for Chelsea, do you think? To the very top. I mean, there's obviously a talent there because obviously Frank, Frank saw a talent, the club saw a talent. 
Germany's next big thing. I mean, I think he's he, that run he did in the first half. I think when he put the ball wide, he's, he's, is he is he number nine? Is he number ten? Is he number eight? I think. We still trying to get the best position for it, but I think he's you know, very in old, in old money, Dan. He'd be an inside, yeah. he'd be an inside forward. Yeah, I mean, I think he's, he's a more attacking Michael Ballack, possibly. He's got the high stretch. I think I'm really excited by him. This is a two managers, common cessation. I think next season's got to be a standout season. I hope he stays injury free, no more COVID. Next year, he needs to peak. And start getting some serious numbers in terms of goals and assists because he's got. Yeah, I'd like him to hit the target more. I'd like him to hit the target more. Yeah, I think he's, such a yeah. target. I mean, yeah, will he pay for him seventy-eight million? Yeah, like that. about that. Yeah, I just think some, something about him, just uh, the way he's kind of lang- he's got very language style, which kind of like belies his talent. But I just think he's. I think he's next uh, next year, I think he will hit some serious numbers. Serious, serious numbers. He's much quicker than you think he is. Isn't yeah. he? There are occasions when he surges ahead and you think, blimey, that was a turn of speed, and isn't it? Mentality is brilliant. Mentality, you know, the, the winning goals, you say two winning goals, 170th minute penalty without even being faced, without even breaking sweat. Well, I mean, that that's kind of Drogba-esque. I mean, I'm not saying he's Drogba either, but I mean, let's be under no illusion here. The amount of pressure on him and considering how young he is, maybe, you know, he's got a little bit of inner kind of you know, doubts about his own form at the moment. Who knows? You know, so the amount of pressure that was on him to win that penalty. I mean, you know, everybody, everybody around the world who was watching that knew that if he scores that penalty, we win the club World Cup. So it was all on him. And yeah. I mean, I just thought that took a tremendous amount of skill and a, a, a tremendous amount of maturity to do that. You, we lost you, Dan. On your, you've done something to your mic, mate. Eighty million pound failure, otherwise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, you know, headlines are written already. If he scores or he doesn't score. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's a, there's a picture of him and Drogba after the game. Drogba was there as well, giving Mahagan saying, you know, this, this is this is Chelsea. So we we it's a, Frank. I know that Frank was got got the job too soon. We got a fantastic pool of talent. We got a fantastic manager, and if we actually get a couple of players, we're not that far away from actually challenging Liverpool and City. Mm. A couple of right players coming in, the club actually back to call with the right players that he wants to improve this squad. We will yeah. very, very close next I'm gonna, year. I'm going I'm to pick up on that in a minute, I think, because there's, there's a lot to be said about that. Um, let's Before we do that, because I mean, I think the, the, key, the key issue with the penalty, of course, was what Aspie did. I'm going to read you what Aspie said about it. He said, I expected the Palmeiras players to come around the penalty taker. I already told Kai he was going to shoot. I just tried to release the pressure from him, be more calm. With three minutes to go, it's an important moment. It worked. I mean, it was absolutely superb what he did. It was great leadership. But the other thing, JK, which I really loved about it, if you remember on Friday, we were talking about how uh, Chelsea in 2012 had been a bit mugged off. We didn't really know how to cope with the Brazilians' antics, their dark arts, and we were caught out by it, actually. Um, I thought, I thought, and we, and we said, we said we, you know, sure, surely to God, Tuchel is a clever enough manager. And I said that they would have known that they would have been playing Palmeiras months and months and months ago. The, the likelihood was that they would play them in the final. Let's hope they've done their homework on them. And bloody hell, they really did. Because if they knew, they knew that that's what they were going to do if they got a penalty. So they, they clearly hatched that plan before. I thought it was absolutely brilliant and superb leadership from Aspie. Well, I, I was duped. I thought he was going to take it. I thought, uh, blimey, he's wanted forward. I had no idea that it was um, it was all a con, and they were just taking the pressure off. It was uh, 
it was rather exciting actually to have that revealed by Dave. I thought that was brilliant. Oh yeah, but I, as we said on Friday, yeah, um, this this management is all about preparation. This management is all about uh, delegation of somebody whose job it will be to see what they get up to in this kind of uh, situation. And yeah, the uh, the uh, I wonder. I mean, I'm not I'm not sure as to what they actually said to him. Did they just um, um, try and tell him he was going to miss it and how useless he was, or what was it, or just oh, uh, want to take the ball? Up? away i didn't i missed it i was um i was too busy, busy cowering behind the sofa i think what was it they were doing what what was it football jerry they'll, they'll get in the, in the mind like dennis Weiss used to i think the cup final in 94 he said to cats i bet you 50 quid you miss both times they're just trying to do a bit of gamesmanship yeah twice yeah apparently still paying 100 quid apparently as well it, yeah. um, I I think think just, mikel did it to robin in the in the in the munich yeah final. yeah you yeah, know gamesmanship yeah, but you know, they'll, they'll, they'll kick the spot, they'll just say, Oh, yeah, keeping those free going, those free going, all sorts of different tactics to put the player off. So, as we took all the bullshit and then left, you know, saw people getting booked, people doing the penalty, and he goes, There you go, Kai. Go on. I knew they were trying to delay it as much as possible. I knew that that was the case. Yeah, was, uh, yeah but as we knew four was going on, as soon as everyone left the penalty area, he gave the ball to Kai, and you know, no pressure. Just, you know, him and him and the goalkeeper. Uh, there was a lovely tweet I caught hold of earlier today. Somebody wrote a thread about what was going on. And actually, what I didn't realise is, is, of course, that we do it as well. We did it to Salah against Liverpool, you know, when they got a penalty. I think it was up at Anfield, wasn't it? And he missed. I'm pretty sure he did in the 1-1. Maybe he scored it. I can't remember. But we, we did it to them. So... I suppose on the oh, basis he scored, he, scored, he scored. did score, didn't he? On the basis that we do it to other teams, I, I suppose they expect it to be done to them. So maybe they were forewarned by that. I like to think that they'd done their homework on uh, Palmeiras, really. Anyway, on the subject of Aspie, you know, a lot of us were thinking about this before the game. That you know, if 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 we did win the Club World Cup, then Dave will have won every trophy you can win whilst at the club. And I I thought there was a lovely symmetry in a sense. Uh, it being that he joined us, didn't he, just after he won the Champions League. So he he, he played his first final uh, with the club would have, well, I suppose it would have been the Super Cup, really, wouldn't it? But he played played for us in the 2012 FIFA Club World Cup against Corinthians, where we lost. And then, to you know, 10 years later, he's playing uh, in another World uh, Club World Cup final. And this time we win it. I just think there was lots something lovely and symmetrical and poetic about that. But it kind of made me think of Aspie's career with us, um, as a whole with Chelsea and you know I've I, I mean he, he's, a, he's a really interesting character isn't he because I mean actually this is a good question actually for you two do, do you know when he when did he get the armband can you remember probably being Conte second season so I mean he would have got it I mean because basically it went Terry Cahill and then it went Aspie right yeah sorry yeah, no, Sarri would have been Sarri so Sarri gave him the armband you think because Cahill was marginalised Sarri's year wasn't he yeah he was yeah, so it'd be, it'd be, he was always kind of like vice captain for a while, so it would have been properly, yeah, Sarri's year. Yeah, but I mean, you know, he, he's been one of those... In, I mean, he's not, a, he's not a star. I mean, the thing is, you know, people wonder about legendary status and how do you achieve it. Well, I think Aspie's, I think Aspie is without doubt a legend. I mean, he's got to be one of our, if not our most uh, trophied captain now. Um, he, you know, he... But he's, but he's not what you would call a, a traditional leader. He's not... I mean, like when you look at the team with with Terry Lampard, Drogba, Czech, they were all amongst the best players in their positions in the world. You wouldn't say that of Aspie, and yet there's something really 
really, I don't know, there's something indefinable about him which he brings to the table. I think he's a great leader for this club, Dan. That's what I'm saying in a very cat-handed way. Yeah, I don't, <clears throat> I don't think he's a, a, a vocal leader, like a John Terry kind of leader. And I think captains maybe have changed over the years. I mean, you know, Man City's captain. I couldn't tell you who it is right now. Who's Man City's captain? I don't, don't know. I can either. No. Yeah, I mean, Van Dyke is, is he a John Terry mould? No, he's a, he's a good... I think... Leads by, by example, doesn't he? Yeah. I think as Dan, he... Dan, Dan, when you move your laptop, the yeah. sound goes... That's, Sorry. that's horrible. Sorry. Yeah, I think he's not... He's not. He's a different sort of captain to JT, but he's, he's got the attitude, the desire, the hunger. He's got a bit of a streak in that we need. I think he's, he's been great. He's also great for the club because he's very professional, holds himself very well, doesn't have any, any, any aggravation, doesn't have any dirt on the club. He's a real kind of de- decent human being. And I don't think he would have been in the side if um, Reese and uh, Chilwell had been playing. No, he, would, he probably wouldn't be. And Thiago would probably have been captain. Yeah. Yeah. That's the irony, isn't it? But I mean, I, it reminds me, I think it was, I think it was Paolo, Paolo Ferreira that, uh, that uh, CFC UK did a, 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 they had a screenshot of, of Chelsea's team and, and basically it was 11 Paolo Ferreiras because it was after that comment that Mourinho made that said, you know, Paolo Ferreira will never be a nine, but he'll also never be a five. He's always a seven out of ten, and you need some players in the team who are always going to be a seven out of ten. You know, and he loved he loved Paolo Ferreira, as did I. And I think Aspie's the same. You know, there's something really grounding and steady about him. And I was talking to the to the, the the that Chelsea podcast guys today, and and I wondered actually if um, in an age where you've got so many egos in the dressing room people on a lot of money and let's be honest it's got to get to them in some way that actually having somebody who's not also a massive ego who's the captain is probably a really good thing there is something quite calming and grounding and humble about Aspie which perhaps perhaps actually makes him a really good leader for that kind of a dressing room you know I mean just let just let me read you let, let you read you what he said actually JK this is lovely this is this is this epitomizes Aspie for me when you when you think about you know, he was the only player who was going to walk away from that Club World Cup final if we won it, saying, I've won it all, right? So, you know, there's some ego in there. You would have thought. He says, you have to enjoy these moments. Sometimes we take them for granted. It's not easy how we work every day to be in these positions. I always think about the players that couldn't play, that were injured on the bench. That's sweet. Isn't it? Lovely. Yeah, I think that's the mark of the man, really. And he's now won the World Club Cup, the Premier League twice, the Champions League, the Europa League twice, uh, a UEFA Super Cup, an FA Cup and a League Club League Cup. Well done him, I think. So there we go. Um, right, I guess can I kind of just wrap up the game, really? Because, I mean, I think, you know, for all of my pain and uh, excruciatingness watching it, uh, though, as I said earlier on, JK, we were no no doubt that we were the better side uh, on, on the evening, and we deserved to win that. Uh, I've got some. I've got a lovely long quote. I'm going to read you from Tommy T, which I think sums it up better than I could. He says, "We don't play our best football, and it's not our best moment in general. We struggle a little bit as a team, but as Petacek has said many times, we managed to find a way to win. I think that's so important. That's what winning trophies is all about." 
Uh, and on the match, he said they were a strong opponent, a typical South American team. They were very good individually and had huge solidarity and discipline. They had huge sacrifice against the ball, suffer and defend together. So we knew it would be difficult to create half chances. We had to be patient but relentless at the same time. Like it is sometimes in a final, it's a bit stiff at the beginning. Ooh, uh. Speak for yourself, Tommy T. I was a bit stiff at the end, that's for sure. Anyway, it's a bit stiff at the beginning. You look for solutions, but you don't want to open spaces for counterattacks, which they rely on and are very good at. This was, for me, more or less the first half. It was a bit stuck. And I said stalemate, so we were thinking much the same thing. And we struggled with the fluidity of our match. We changed the structure a bit in the second half and found the spaces better. We scored a wonderful goal and had two or three good half chances after that. Then in the momentum, oh sorry, then in the moment we were in total control and with a better team and seemed to find spaces better and have a higher rhythm. We gave a penalty away from a throw-in, which is very unusual. Then the whole story starts from scratch, which is mentally and physically not easy. We never stopped attacking and never stopped trying for the 90 minutes. And I think, you know, as always with Thomas Tuchel, he absolutely nailed it. Um, but we did deserve it, as I said. I mean, here's the thing, JK. How much, you know, how much difference did you... Did, I mean, you know, we said on Friday, didn't we? We felt it would make a huge difference having him on the touchline. Uh, what, what difference do you think it did make? Well, it gives the team a focus, doesn't it? And um, um, obviously he's going to be making all the selectorial decisions from a distance regardless. But um, there was footage of him arriving and embracing everybody. And you could see that everybody was really pleased to see him. So uh, um, I think if your figurehead, your your totem, your your focus is is necessary if they're not there... um, and and your uh, the assistants don't express themselves in the way that he does. I'm sure that they don't lose their temper with the players in the way that uh, that Tuchel does. Um, so uh, I think it was very important to have him there. Absolutely, I think uh, I think down to I think he got a private jet, didn't he? Courtesy of Roman and courtesy of the club, obviously, who are willing willing to realise the the significance of having him there. Otherwise, if if that was the case, some of the managers wouldn't come to some, and they just zoom it in. No, I think I think it was essential for him to be there. And I think um, thank goodness that he uh, he finally tested negative. I mean, he was saying that he'd he'd actually made several journeys to the airport um, bef- before the the results of the test had come through and consequently wasn't allowed to get on board until it was seen that he was, uh, um, he'd, he'd, he'd been seen to be negative. So uh, um, um, that's the advantage, of course, with a, with a private uh, jet is that it's up, you, you're dictating when you leave with them. So, um, but yeah, it was, uh, I think it was essential for him to be there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's quite remarkable, isn't it? What he's done. I mean, that that's, uh, He's won three trophies, you know, since he's been here, which is, you know, it's about a, about a year, just over. Uh, five finals now, so because he lost the FA Cup final last year and we're in the League Cup final already. I mean, it's quite phenomenal, isn't it? I mean, you said earlier on he needs to be given a long time, so I want to save that for the end. But just on the here and now, it's quite remarkable what he's achieved, I think, isn't it? Well, it's fantastic, you know, when you consider, you know, Klopp t- took seven years to get those numbers you know, and everyone goes, "Oh, Klopp's wonderful." Klopp says, "Klopp says." I think it, taking taking over a fractured squad from a club legend in January for 12, 12 and a half months to achieve that is phenomenal. Yeah. It's just a testament of what an outstanding coach we have, and all this people about him having rounds of the board. Maybe he's kind of found his yin and yang with us because there's been no signs of him kicking off against the board. There seemed to be a lot of kind of togetherness from Peter and Marina. Everything just seems to be 
Rosie right now. I think he said himself it's a perfect combination. He said that he's yeah. he's in the best job in the world. He's loving it, and he wants to see it through to whatever, um, whatever whatever he's allowed to see it through to. You know, I, I mean, I, I'm in, I'm fascinated by the fact that the only player he's he's bought has been Lukaku. And yeah. um, and you don't even know whether that was a you'd have thought that would have been a group. I'm purchase, sure he would have been involved. Yeah, of yeah, course yeah. he would. Of course they wouldn't have foisted it on him. Um, so he's obviously got to, he wants to make that work. But I think in the summer we'll be able to see uh, more players uh, uh, in his image, as it were, the kind of players he wants to work with. I mean, it's interesting that Saul clearly was one of them, and that hasn't quite worked out. So. Um, uh, but he's, but he he's made he's made him better. I mean, he, yeah, Saul, he is Saul, is, Saul, you can made... you could you know you have no I have no I had no problem Saul coming on as a sub yesterday at all. No, no, no. Whereas no, no. four months ago I would have been leaving to go to the pub. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, Kovacic's first year he struggled a bit when he came over from um, Real Madrid. He wasn't he had some good games, but he was nowhere near the level he's at now. Well, no, I think he was in Sarri's straitjacket though. Didn't you think so? Part, yeah, partly. I think he had a few positive injuries and acclimatising. And so, you know, this when you come up working from Diego Simeone, who's a very different coach to uh, Thomas Tuchel, new country, takes time to adapt. Yeah. He's, he's, listen, he's played nearly 300 games for Atletico, so he's not he's not a bad player. No, definitely. Not, you know, and he's thrown in against Burnley. Wasn't it Burnley his first game or whatever it was? Villa? Villa. He got yeah, crucified, he got, didn't he? Got John McGinn chasing him around like a lunatic. He's going to be a tough, yeah. tough act in terms of fun. But I just think it's, as long as Chelsea don't do their normal... You know, routine where they give him, you know, the modern day Danny Drinkwater in the summer, then hopefully they'll just finally realise we've got a good manager, well behaved, well spoken, doesn't give any aggravation to club, no problems with officials. Let this guy build a bit of a legacy for two, three, four years, how long he's going to get. Because, you know, quite frankly, there's no one better than him out there at the moment who, who we're able to get. Well, he's elite. He's up there with Klopp and Guardiola yeah. in my book. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, 100%. He's done more in a year than Klopp's done in seven. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'd lo- I'd love to. I really would love to see him build something at the club. And I think you're right, boys. Actually, from what you said, I think he works very well with the board. And I'd, and the other thing, actually, I, I did say this on on this other podcast today, but I think unusually for Chelsea, we've actually got a manager. You know, quite often the managers that we attract are, are clearly mercenaries who are out to feather their CV. You know, oh, I get to play with hundreds of millions of quid, buy all the players I want, win a few trophies, make myself look good, and fuck off. It's all about them and their ego, isn't it? I don't get that sense with Tuchel at all. You know, I think he, he he loves to do it because he loves to do I mean, he obviously gets paid a lot of money. Let's not kid ourselves here. But, you know, I think he's very happy to work with the board in the way that they want to work, which, let's be honest, is not to really flash the cash like we used to. It's a lot more complex than that. It has to fit in with their business objectives and all the rest of it. And I genuinely believe him when he says, no, I'm happy to work with what I've got. That's what he'll do. So he's a proper coach. You know, I'll, I'll deal with what I've got and I'll make them better. That's what I do, Dan. Yeah, exactly. He wasn't he wasn't pushing for unnecessary signings in January. We knew for well that Chile and James were big miss. But rather than, you know, like Luca Dino, for example, signing a £30 million backup left back when Chile was going to be back next season, he said, well, we'll work what we've got. He's got Sal can play there. He's got Alonso. He's got Saar. He's got three players that can go into that role. And he's got the, uh, what's the young kid that played against um, Hall? Uh, yeah, Hall, if needs be. So he thought, you know what, I'll work what I've got. Don't need. They've all got the same vision now because you know previously Chelsea have gone and spent thirty five million quid on some overrated left back who would then end up on loan somewhere the following summer. So maybe maybe Czech Marina Thomas is just the perfect trifecta of you know MD director football manager all on the same hymn sheet, which has never really happened before for Chelsea. No, you're right. Ever. Yeah. 
You're right. Yeah, yeah you're right, mate. I like it. Now, listen, um, before we have a, a big old sum up about what it means to be uh, champions of the world, uh, we can't we can't talk about the match without talking about Rudiger. Um, we have got to we have got to keep this guy. I'm big, more and more I see, and the more convinced I am, we have got to keep Rudiger. Um, you know, I, we all know this because we've seen it before in various iterations of the side since Roman came along. You need one or two players who will do everything they can to win. They are so important to the side, and Rudiger is one of those players. He, he steps up on the big games. He plays out of his skin. He's absolutely fucking nuts as well, which I think is. But I don't know if you've seen this, J.K. But there's a there's footage of the penalty, which has got the camera focused on Rudiger, and he's sitting in the center circle, literally praying and just on his knees. Right, can't bear to look. Okay, the ball goes in. He gets. I mean, he jumps like ten foot in the air, and he fucking pelts to the corner where they're all running. And he joins in, and he's like leaping up and down on everybody. He's, he's on the on the barriers of the of the uh, you know the, the what, what do you call it where the hoardings are. He's up on there going absolutely crazy. The guy is nuts. I mean, that's what I want players like that in my team. You know, it's like a less violent version of Diego Costa. I mean, you you got to have players like that. They've got to keep him, J.K. He played out of his skin, didn't he, in the final as well? He's, he's a yesterday. boss, mate. He's a boss. He was terrific. And he's so quick as well. He he, he, he just sweeps up so brilliantly. Mm. No, I agree completely. I mean, we know, we'll, we'll, we'll only nose off when we nose off. I know. Got no clue it, at the moment. It, but, it, yeah, it, fantastic. It makes you worry, wonder what, what on earth happened with Frank. What, I know he, didn't, he came and didn't play very well, didn't look committed. Cup final, he, he was all over the place. Um, what do you reckon, Dan? I think I think he's irreplaceable, but then part of me thinks, well, you know, revisionist, because Diego, Diego Costa was very good for one and a half seasons out of the three he was with us, or four he was with us. He was pining to get off all the time. Now, you know, really good, don't forget, hasn't been brilliant the whole time he's been here. He's been brilliant under Tuchel for a year. And other than that, he's been a bit, he's been good in part. He was, he was, he was hot and cold with under Frank. I think that's why Frank yeah, got... and uh, a little bit under... Um, may have, his madness may have gone the other way. The madness may have may have infuriated Frank in the same way that um, Alonso may have infuriated Frank. I mean, I've, you know, and, and, and we've established that Alonso is, is um, good in parts. Is, is, uh, is, he, he was taken to the cleaners in the, in the semi-final um, with, with that situation we know of not being able to cope with somebody running at speed at him. Yeah. Um, so uh, um, and I think we, we now, I'm sure he appreciates he's second choice. You know, he's just, if, if um, he, even within this setup, he's likely to be second choice because yeah. he's trying to tactically play other in other ways that are and, and suiting and suiting Rudiger as well. I think suit, Rudiger doesn't play as well with Alonso if Alonso's playing. Right. I think we've got two centre backs out of contract. Rudiger has to stay. Christensen is good, but if he goes, I mean, you know, if you had to pick one, Rudiger oh, all day, every easy. day, just pure most mentality monster. You know, Christians, Christians is good. But Rudiger has to stay. I, 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 you know what? Christian's had deals he hasn't signed. I'd take 50 grand a week off Christensen's deal, put it on Rudiger's deal, get him to sign. This is Rudiger's last contract. So I totally get it from a professional perspective, from a financial perspective. He's got to get it absolutely right. And I have no issue with that whatsoever. And if he feels he's going to get a better financial deal elsewhere, it's football, it's modern day. This is his big money contract. It's got to be right for him and his family. But the club have got to do everything in their power to make him stay because people like him, 
are irreplaceable. No, totally that right. Desire, the, the, do you see the picture of him with the trophy with his eyes just literally like <laughs> yes. out like out like, uh, like absolute character? Well, he got man of the match too. Did you see the mad picture of him with the man of the match award? Yeah. Kind of going, ah! He's, he's just absolutely he's like, nuts. He does the shit house stuff like with Suarez in the semi quarterfinal last year, yeah. right up in his face. Come on then, come on then. We haven't got any of those shit house players in the team. We yeah. need him. Mason Mount, Reese James, they can all learn so much from someone with this attitude. He has to stay. Chelsea yeah. pull, push the boat out, get that man to sign a contract. I, I wouldn't normally condone that at all, but I have to say, he has convinced me. I think he's just so important to this team. He's yeah. such a leader. And I mean, like I've always said, you know, the great thing about that, you know, Mourinho Mark one side is we had many leaders in that team. Czech, Drogba, Lamps, JT, you know, there were others too. You know, mm. you need lots of leaders in a team. So, you know, Silva's a leader. I think Aspie, as I said, in his own quiet way, is a leader. Mount's a leader too. Rudiger is the monster. I mean, you've got to have him. They've got to do what they have to keep him. Do you remember him going to the medal ceremony in crutches? Do you remember that? Yeah, uh, the UEFA Cup. Yeah, and he, went, oh, yeah. And he went, went mad with, in his, with his crutches even then. He had a white the... shirt with his football kit on top. It was, yes. it was hilarious, yeah. But I think, listen, he just... Oh, listen... I hope I hope he stays. I like, you know, he's become a bit of a cult hero for me yeah, personally. Definitely, definitely. Something about him, just yeah. Definitely. All right, right then. Uh, the final question really is: uh, we've obviously won it all. We're now champions of the world. Uh, what does it all mean to us, and where do we go next as a club, J.K.? Well, I, I, I think we're slightly in a vacuum here because I think to lots of other people in uh, in the country, it's meaningless. I just think. Um, uh, it doesn't have the status, even in Europe necessarily, that it has in the rest of rest of the world, especially in Brazil. And um, uh, so, but I'm pleased that as as the world is becoming um, more and more joined up, that people appreciate how significant this trophy is. And uh, and I'm very, and I particularly think it, it's going to be more difficult to take part in as the, as the years go on. I think they're trying to make um, FIFA are trying to make it into a uh, a much bigger competition by having more more mm-hmm. Premier League and other clubs taking part in early rounds. I don't know quite how on earth they're going to do that with all the football that's being played and the World Cup being played every two years, but no doubt they'll manage somehow. It just, just means I think there have to be bigger squads and probably um, top teams will not field their best sides in this kind of competition. But um, um, uh, I bet you, though, as I said at the beginning, if we'd lost it, there'd have been a huge amount of flack from people on social media and everywhere about, go, you can't even win that tin pot competition. Mm-hmm. So the fact we've won it and now there it is, another trophy in the list of every single trophy there is to win, that we've won that one as well. Well, that's, that's uh, you know, I'd love... I'd love Liverpool fans to try and sing "You Ain't Got No History Now" after that. I mean, um, and, and for me, it just it 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 it's 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 the set we've got the set now. So, uh, and I think we could win another set, and I think we can win I it think again. That's what, exactly what we should do, J.K. Yeah, I'd yeah. like to just and get I, relegated I, two leagues and win the um, Johnson Plate. <laughs> <laughs> you mad fucker! <laughs> no, yeah. That would be great. Johnson's Plate Trophy. Because we haven't won those, have we? No, you're right. You're right. We must do that. How far do we go down then? Two down to the two relegations. What about, do a yeah. what about the Watneys? We do have to go. We can't go back in time, can we? Remember the Watneys Trophy in the early seventies? Oh, the, the Bob Lord. Oh God, yeah. We, we we didn't we win the Anglo French. We won that, didn't we? Cross Channel Ferry. Cross Channel Ferry. I can't remember. The hard. Yeah, I don't know. Dan. Yeah. So look, in all seriousness, you know, what does it mean to you? And what what do you, what does it? Where next for the club? Uh, for me, it's just incredible. I mean, I've, I've come look at my Chelsea life in two, two, you know, 
BT before trophies up until 97 when it was literally like fourth. I put a tweet out getting to fourth round of the FA Cup was a good season. All those exits to Scunthorpe, to Scarborough, to Oxford. And now suddenly, tw- I've seen this lift 28 trophies since 1997 or whatever it's been. Just just absolutely incredible. I just, sometimes pinch myself to think, you know, we've done all this and that will just complete the set. Uh, just absolutely fantastic. And then we've got to go again because, you know, it's great. We've got two European Cups. I want three. I want four. I want five. I want to be getting up there with Liverpool. Won it six times. Well, I want to, we can win it six times. You know, we won more European trophies than Man United now. Nine, us nine, them eight. Well, you know, well, we, are, well, we are a big club. We are, we've got to do it again. We've got to be consistent. I want to see us win the league next season. I want an FA Cup. I had two FA Cup defeats in the last four years. That really hurts because I love the FA Cup. Do you want to just keep going, keep going, just shithouse everybody, boil the piss of other supporters because I love it. And for a, cl- a competition they call so insignificant, they really made a lot of noise last night. Mm. Something so insignificant. I want to keep shithousing and boiling piss because that makes me very happy. I couldn't agree more with all of that. I mean, for me, I don't know, Jonathan, I mean, you're, you're not that much younger than us, uh, Dan, but, yeah. you know, I grew up in the 70s watching Liverpool win everything particularly European Cups and, you know, United dominating, you know, in the in the 90s. And uh, I was always quite enamoured of these rather exotic trophies. It was the Intercontinental Cup in those days. I don't know, it's possibly because, you know, if, you, if you're my age and a little bit older, you've probably always had an infatuation with South American football, particularly Brazilian football, because of 1970. And... You know, just to go and play though. I used to like the. You know, when you're when you're a small kid and you're you're playing football in your back garden, you know, I always wanted to be like Internacional or all these kind of weird names. What the who are the hell are they? I used to do that in my Sabutio yeah, teams. Yeah, me too. I got that. I got the joy from that. Yeah, actually, exactly like, that. Be Mazzola or one of those great Italian yeah, players or yeah. something. Exactly, exactly but that. The, joke. the trouble was was going to watch um, uh, Chelsea to watch the bridge in a, something like the Italian trophy was we were still not very good so we'd play a team and you'd think oh what will happen perhaps we'll beat this team and we might beat this team because they weren't very good and we weren't very good it didn't mean because we were in a a a tin pot competition some competition that had been created for just for us or just for teams to play who weren't in the top competitions we wouldn't do terribly well because we weren't very good well that's 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 my point i mean you know i mean in those days i think we all all feel this I didn't. I didn't even think I'd see us win another FA Cup in my lifetime. I mean, you know, getting to the fourth or the fifth round. I mean, funny enough, it's forty years. No, is it? Yeah, forty years ago, we beat Liverpool two nil with John Neal's team uh, when we were in the second division and they were European champions. I mean, I thought it didn't get much better than that at the time. I thought that was it. You know, I'll go and retire now. You know, and so did, that did you think? Did you think at the time that because we'd beaten them in the fourth round, whatever it was, this might be our year for the cup? Oh yeah, yeah. Until we, we, until we, we sp- might suddenly because we'd beaten the favourites, yeah, um, play out of our skins in every game. And of, of course, course you do. You got beaten in the second, the next I round. Didn't of, we? of course you do. But you know what I mean. I mean, on reflection, you think, oh well, that's that's as good as it gets. You know, we didn't, we didn't, didn't we do well? So I mean, it was just such a far flung fantasy to be even, you know, competing in these trophies. So for me. You know, I, 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 you know, I did actually. I was, I was almost a bit tearful last night because I suddenly thought of all those people that I know, uh, far more hardy souls than me, like Mark Meehan and all those stories we've heard from Mark. You know about his travails, literally up and down the country. You know, in the second division. You know, got people who were who were at Rotherham six nil away. All those kind of people. I, I, I thought, you know what, this is for them. You know, 
because this is we've won every fucking trophy there is to win and we're the only only the third well we're the first uh, uh english club to do it i think man united have done it as well haven't they man united done it it's man united juventus ajax yeah. and juventus but liverpool barcelona yeah. and real madrid haven't so eat that and wear it mate i think it's wonderful by the way, huge kudos to those who made the effort to oh, go, by the way. Fantastic. Brilliant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Brilliantly done for those supporters. Wow. Take take my hat off. Yeah. Me. Brilliant. I, I totally agree, mate. I've been I've been loving seeing all these photographs on social media of people I know and love. I mean, there's lovely John who sits just along the road from me in Gate 17. He was out there, saw a few pictures of him. It's just so... I mean, obviously, I'd love to have been there, but, um, you know the fact that so many people I know and love were and it's it's really these things are really important it's so good I, I can't tell you how pleased and proud I am of the whole bloody thing and I, and you're right about the Chelsea boiling piss Dan we're going to talk about that in a minute funnily enough but it's absolutely brilliant but you know like I said in my article about the the, the uh, what winning the club world cup would mean I do and the, the boys will bear witness to this if I can bloody find it but I do have on my phone bookmarked i'll have you know bookmarked uh the uh the um see i told you i wouldn't be able to find it and i know what to do yeah i've got i've got this bookmarked on my phone right so i've always got this near to me and of course i'm not gonna be able to find it typically but uh you know don't worry about that but i've got this thing which is the uh all-time english trophy winners since 1872 which tells me where we are in the current list and we are we are fourth in the list behind, uh, I think, Liverpool are first, Man United second, then Arsenal. Arsenal are on 25 trophies. We are on 20. Uh, I, don't see us, I don't see us beating or catching Man United or Liverpool up in my lifetime, sadly, but I definitely see us catching up Arsenal. And I, what I want over the next five to ten years is to overtake Arsenal in the number of trophies we won and stay ahead of City actually who are only a couple behind us but Dan is right we you know we're the second all-time uh you know European trophy winners uh, to Liverpool you know Man United are nowhere near us so you know people who as you said JK people who say we have no history can you know fucking do one it's rubbish I there endeth the lesson <laughs> anyway chaps we got one person that we should really thank for all this without a doubt and that's Roman Abramovich isn't it Dan Oh, yeah, I mean, well, I remember the day he took over, my dad phoned me, he goes, I've been taken over by a Russian billionaire. I'm like, wow, little do we know how, how that would change the landscape for Chelsea. Just just incredible. But, you know, I was talking to a friend about all the pinnacle games in the last recent history of Chelsea, the Liverpool game, 2-0 down, 4-2 up, the Gronkir goal against Liverpool, so many important games. At that Gronkir goal, we don't get Roman. He's come in, trams form the club you look at it, look back in 50 years time of Roman's tenure do you get everything right now he got most things right though pretty much you know he doesn't do the day-to-day stuff so you know the, the, the board pissing us off with two pounds here two pounds there he doesn't get involved in all that shit but generally speaking he has made us into a European superpower he's made us fulfill all our dreams none of us ever imagine we do what we've done in the last was it 15 years he's been here 16 years just massive thank you to the man. I would have his children if I could. I love him. Yeah, I think he's been brilliant. JK, do you echo those sentiments? Oh, completely, completely. I, I, I think with, with um, thank goodness he appeared when Bates was just about to flog the club to all and sundry because the, the bond had, had failed. Well, it had come to the end of its, uh, its, um, 
its credibility. I think he owed so much money then, and uh, and it, it just bailed him out completely. And um, uh, he, he flew over a mass of clubs, didn't he, old Roman? And uh, including Fulham, didn't which uh, I think he it would take too much work to make the uh, to make the um, the Riverside Club work, and flew over Spurs and didn't like the area too much. But then, uh, then what are you saying here, Dan? What are you going to say? Well, there was a story that the Daniel Levy turned down a meeting with Bramovich, didn't believe he was legit or had any money <laughs> because Bramovich is Jewish and he also knew that Spurs had a big Jewish following. So apparently his first thought was Spurs. Apparently, apparently Daniel Levy turned down the meeting. How intriguing. Apparently, well, 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 well but, but that would make sense, wouldn't it? Because Daniel Levy is, is um, bankrolled. No, he's bankrolled by... By Jones, somebody Jones, else. Jones, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so why, what would be the use of him attempting to take the club <laughs> over when they're already owned by somebody else? Investment. I think it's investment, not necessarily. It's an investment, I was. Yeah. But, um, but I, I always had, I always had the, the thought that if Bates had continued, then we, you know, we had a decent, well, we had a side nowhere near any of the, uh, the, the great sides we've had since Abramovich appeared. You know, I think they, the, the first side that Mourinho had was completely phenomenal. And um, uh, I'd like to be able to embrace some I mean, of the times have changed and football has changed and tactics have changed. But that combination of players that he bought, it just seemed as if he was wandering around buying the best players in the uh, in the division, but to actually have ended up with Robin and Duff, who were just absolutely fan, fantastic. Yeah. What, a, what a combination that was. Um, but um, the, I, I always used to think that we might be sort of dribbling there and thereabouts with a team because of the, the, the side we've been looking at 1999 100 was for 200 was so brilliant to uh, 2002 was so excellent we thought i always thought we would improve year upon year possibly but never never to the extent that we would just become um straight into the stratosphere with uh, with roman and the injection of money um it, it was yeah, with that with and i also think he's it, He's never just kept on splashing the cash, has he? It's always been um, trying to work with a specific manager and uh, and clearly making mistakes, but learning from the mistakes. And I think we've ended up now with a with a, uh, an absolutely perfect combination. Dan, also there's a lot of rumours that um, there were deals lined up. Have we not got Champions League? John Terry's going to go to Arsenal. Gareth was going to Man United. There's a whole lot of deals that were lined up. Have we not got no, Champions in, League? In fact, in fact, John Terry went and had a look at the um, Liverpool training ground. Now, he was going to Arsenal. Gareth was. Going no, I heard to he was going to Liverpool. Oh, possibly, yeah, but there were a whole lot of deals lined up for all our star players. Good Johnson was off as well somewhere. Oh no, completely. It was it was a fire it was a fire yeah. sale completely and utterly. Yeah, got yeah. to raise forty million or something to stop us going up, yeah. up the wall. Yeah. Yeah. No Lampard. No. Yeah, it would have been terrible, wouldn't it? Um, thank you, Roman. Yeah. And actually, do you know what? I, 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 you know, we can put it quite well, but actually Thomas Tuchel, uh, I think, put it even better. Because, you know, he met Roman with the trophy on the pitch yeah. last night. And uh, this is what he said to him. He said, I said, it's for you. It's your club and it's your input passion that made this possible. We're happy to be part of it. Of course, the trophy is for him. I thought, it's perfectly put. Yeah, perfectly put. That stops the poison umbrella of Battersea Bridge. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there, there is always that. Now, um, I did promise you this earlier on, actually, because I mean, I know, I know, a while ago, J.K. and I mused over what should be our uh, winning song. Should uh, should we, uh, you know, should we win the club World Cup? And uh, 
we were not enamoured of the, uh, you know, of a reworking of the Queen classic. We are the champions. Now, I saw this on Twitter and I, I forgive me. Actually, do you know what? I'm going to be a really good boy and I'm going to find it so I can actually bloody give them some credit because that would be a nice thing to do seeing as I nicked it straight off uh, Twitter. But this was posted by Dave C90 where it's had 32.3 thousand views. Bloody hell. Well, good for you. Anyway, Dave C90, I'm sorry, I've lifted this. I don't even know where it was taken, but it's the absolute bollocks. This is what we should all be singing at every every game from now on to, as Dan would say, boil the piss off the opposition. That's the one to sing. Casey and the Sunshine Band, JK. Na 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 na. Champions of the world, of the world. Champions of the world. That's the one. I like that. That's very good. That sounds great and is intelligent, but um, will it be the one? Oh, it will do now because when it's on this podcast, mate, and it's about 33,500 views on Twitter. I'll be singing it, that's for sure. Now, uh, a quick shout-out again for the wonderful uh, Chelsea Supporters Trust initiative, which is the big Stamford Bridge sleep-out. Uh, the Chelsea Supporters Trust are organising another big sleep-out at Stamford Bridge, and the date is set for March the 26th. Uh, the sleep-out will be in aid of our neighbours, Stoll, who do such a fantastic work for the homeless veterans. And to take part in it, you've got to be over 18 years old, pledge to raise at least 50 quid in sponsorship and comply with any COVID restrictions in place at the time. Uh, hopefully uh, you'll be joined by a few Chelsea legends on the night. Mark Meehan's on the case. Now, if you can't make it to Stamford Bridge, do not worry. So, I mean, obviously all of our friends in the States, Australia, you name it, obviously can't come over to Stamford Bridge for a sleep out, but they can do it at home. Oh, yes, you can take part uh, in the virtual sleep out by sleeping out in your garden, your garage or the shed. Not that one. Uh, there will be lots of entertainment via social media during the evening including me reading uh, more tales from the shed around uh, the, the bonfire with uh, some whiskey and hopefully a big cigar. And JK is going to be doing some special Chelsea fan bites for the evening, aren't you, JK? Yeah, I certainly am. I can't wait for that. Now, uh, to register and find out how to donate, go to chelseasupporterstrust.com forward sleep out. And of course, if you're not a member of the trust, go and be a member. Five quid a year, well worth it. Uh, you can get involved in all the big causes that are important to Chelsea, whether it be to stuff to do with the club, you know, ticket prices and all that kind of thing, or, you know, not to do with the club, like charitable causes like this and the food bank. Well worthy of your money and your time. Uh, now, we will be back in a minute for the final part of this evening, which is about the fannies and an email. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com. 
Welcome back. This is Stamford Chidge and uh, the Chelsea Fancast, the the uh, world champion edition of the Chelsea Fancast with a fellow champion of the world, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Hey, you blue. And another fellow champion of the world, Mr. Dan Silver. Good evening, all. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Now, of course, uh, it's time for the fannies. Uh, we've got fannies for this match, as we always do, as you well know. And, uh, of course, the first one is for this. That's right. It is the man of the match. And uh, the nominations were uh, Kai Havertz, Tony Rudiger and uh, Cesar Aspilicueta. Now, Rudiger got the man of the match uh, from FIFA. JK, what did you go for? Uh, I think him. I think uh, I'll agree with FIFA. Rudiger. I wouldn't say, yeah, that I normally would do. But, yeah. I thought Havis was great, but I thought uh, Rudiger was outstanding. Mm. Uh, Dan, what did, what did you go for? Rudiger. Not just the, the celebrations for the goal, the post-match celebrations, just Rudiger because he was just immense. What little defensive work he had to do, he did superbly. Yeah. all round performance was superb. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I did the same. I voted for Rudiger, so we're a clean, a clean sweep for Rudiger. But this is how it ended up with the good denizens of social media, of Twitter, to be precise. Uh, Havertz got thirty-two percent. Rudiger got thirty-three percent, and Aspilicueta got thirty-five percent. Very split vote. But fair play, you know, that's what the people demanded. That's what they got. Now, um, we've also got um, the uh, this this little fanny. Yes, the salary moment. Uh, and, of course, the nominations for this. Well, I, I kind of basically leapt in because normally the Discord boys and girls sorted out. They, they were helpful with the man of the match. They didn't really come up with too many for salary. And they've come up with none for Guinness, so we're on our own with that one. But my... my, uh, my uh, uh, choices before celery moment were Rudiger going nuts after the penalty. I think that had to be in there, and he's just general all round shithousery. Uh, Aspie shithousing the penalty, which I definitely thought was a shout. But I have to say, this was the one I would have voted for, and Dan's alluded to it all evening, which was Chelsea boiling piss. Um, as ja- as Dan said, the the bitterness and the envy that was frothing from every orifice of every opposition fan on social media was just a delight none more so than that absolute uber prick craig burley who put out who put out a really snide tweet i mean this could have been a salary nomination in its own actually but i had to kind of include all the chelsea boiling piss really but craig burley put this tweet up basically saying that uh, we'd won a plastic trophy that nobody gave a shit about and 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 all the time we're 16 points behind man uh man city and we've wasted 100 million quid on a striker but the brilliant thing about it was about 2,500 to 3,000 Chelsea supporters all launched onto him, climbed onto him with replies, including me, uh, about what a wanker he was. And we all remember his back pass and he was shit when he played for us. It was joyous to behold, I have to say. And even the most lovely, I mean, I don't know if you know Ian Roger, but he's one of the, the most calm, intelligent, lovely people you will meet at Chelsea. He used to be on the Chelsea Supporters Trust board. Uh, he writes for the fanzine. He managed to get into an argument with uh, Burley's boyfriend, Tommy Johnson or whatever his name is, Tommy Mooney or something, another ESPN correspondent. Who and he was coming out with. I mean, I nearly put a tweet out to John or whatever his name is, saying, "Go home, mate. You're clearly drunk," because his grammar was appalling. Uh, what he was saying was completely nuts, and Ian was just dealt with him beautifully. But we boiled everybody's piss last night, and I love it. So there you go. Um, you were going to come in. Some one of you were going to come in with something. Then you put your hand up. 
Am I wrong? Yeah, just um, and Piers Morgan as well. Oh yeah, how did yeah. I forget him? Yeah, yeah. Well, I saw Burley just still being pissed. He got dropped for the cup final. He's just a bitter prick, dreadful pundit. Everything about him just. Oh. Someone said, "Oh, a great tweet." Said, "Oh, the club paid for two front teeth." Oh, love it, love it, love yeah. it, love it, love it. Yeah, what an idiot. Anyway, so the nominations, just to repeat, were Rudiger going mental, Chelsea boiling piss, and Aspie shithousery over the penalty. J.K., what did you go for? Um, I thought the shithousing of the penalty was uh, wonderful. So, uh, um, but at the same time, yes, the uh, the pissing people off on uh, social media through winning it was um, was fantastic. Um, not so much Rudiger going nuts. I, I'll vote for uh, I'll I'll vote for the shithousery myself. I think it was um, it was uh, it surprised me, and I thought it was brilliantly done. Mm. Dan, um, the penalty because boiling piss is something we should do all the time. But just the just the fact they just stood there to call the shit from the Palmeiras players, and then all went in. So yeah, penalty shithousery for me. Yeah, I mean. I, I, I have to say, I, I, I voted for Chelsea boiling piss because I thought that was proper Chelsea. This is what we've been doing for so long now. Um, and uh, I kind of, I, I love to see it. I love to see the opposition supporters throttling at the mouth and projecting their horrible, bitter, petty envy onto us. It's lovely to see. But uh, I'm in a minority there by a long way because boiling piss got 7%. Rudiger going mental got 23%, which meant Aspie shithousery on the penalty got a stonking 70% and is the winner of this week's celery moment. So there we go. Um, now, uh, do, do, do you have any nominations for Guinness moment? JK, you're usually rather good at this. I didn't see anything noteworthy of... Nothing made me go... I was too too stressed to be moist. Yeah, I felt Silver's shot, um, almost scored, was a, was definitely a ha oh! moment because there was a possibility it might have gone in. My, then it would have been disqualified because it would have been a goal, uh, which we're not allowed indeed, to have. Indeed. So, um, um, and I thought that lovely move that we had suddenly out of nowhere that ended up with Pulisic just shooting wide was uh, was similarly uh, oh oh. Mm. But once again, if it had gone in, it would have been a goal. It's difficult, isn't it, getting rid of these goal moments because similarly. Um, um, uh, Havertz's penalty was definitely was as well as being hey was also a ha oh, at the same time. So uh, um, uh, other than that, so I would go for the uh, go for the silver shot because it was so well. It wasn't a surprise because he was allowed to advance so far by them as, as a defence. But the fact that it was him having a shot that was so accurate was uh, was was great. I I, I like that. That moment definitely made me induced a kind of spasm in me. Yeah, I, I'm afraid I, I remained spasmless for for most of the match. It was just too excruciating. Okay. I mean, for me, it was more visceral. You know, when Lukaku scored, I went nuts. When Havertz yes, scored, true. I went nuts. When uh, when Palmeiras scored the penalty, I, I in my notes, I came out, I dropped a lot of C-bombs, basically. One of them, in fact, did a very lovely moment that I thought was Guinness. Was it Dudu? And uh, no, it wasn't, funnily enough, the man named after the, uh, the pile of poo. It was... Um, it was uh, Another player, um, one of the just uh, Roni or someone who just Ronnie, suddenly... Ronnie. Oh, no, no, no. What was his other? The other bloke, the bloke Vega. who scored the penalty. Vega. Yeah, it was him, and he he did it. He did something that um, uh, in in the semi that uh, Kante had done was to actually flick it over his own head and carried on, and he did it. And I actually at the time thought, oh, that was rather good. Except I can't like it because it's opposition. So uh, so no, they didn't all come. Um, these moments weren't. Uh, uh, didn't flood at us as they normally no, can. Do. I, th- I think I think we have to abort the Guinness moment uh, in in the, for the lack of uh, lack of sexual moments during the game. 
really. But it doesn't matter because winning the trophy is the most sexual moment we've had as a club since the last time we won a trophy, and that's good enough. Uh, right, we're going to finish the show tonight with uh, one email, uh, and that is from the lovely Kevin Wright, JK. Kevin Wright. Hi, I love the podcast. You lot are funny. Thank you very much. Insightful. Yeah, have some great guests. Dan, I like that you are old enough to remember the striker flops we've had over the years. Robert Fleck, <laughs> Chris Sutton, oh, etc. Wonder if you and JK and guests have any theories as to why when they join Chelsea, they seem to forget their good players and how to score. I think uh, as we've been going back in mem- in the memories of Chelsea I think Sutton wasn't very good and they made a mistake purchasing him in the first place Flex started off well and I there's uh, allegedly had a uh, a habit that made him um, not perform as well as he might have done um uh, uh what's his face um uh, Torres was injured um we could go back through them all um uh, Derek Kevin, my favourite, was just from a completely different world, as was Tony Haitley. I always quote these two because Haitley always reminds me of uh, of Lukaku. Just suddenly, this this strange. Um, uh, I'll carry on with the. Well, know. at least Tony Haitley made good in the end in Spandau Ballet. So you know, gold <laughs> that was. Oh, we've done this before. It's like deja vu all over I know. again. <laughs> I keep mentioning him. It's the same thing. Anyway, Robert Fleck, Chris Sutton, etc. Wonder if you and JK and guess have any theories as to why when they joined Chelsea, they seem to forget their good players and how to score. I'd also like to share a story about my first ever away trip. It was about 1975 when I was 15. It wasn't an FA Cup game, if I remember rightly, but it was to Luton. My friend and I decided late that we'd go to the match. We were in Epsom, asked the Green Line bus driver how long it would take to get there. He lied and we got to the ground just as they opened the gates. We saw about the last 10 minutes of the match. The Chelsea fans decided to go on the rampage, which was not our scene, and went to we went to wait for the bus home, naively wearing our blue and white scarves. Ah! Cut a long story short, some Luton lads gave us a bit of a beating, took our scarves. Another game I went to, I'm pretty sure, was an FA Cup game, was to Bristol. Not sure if it was City or Rovers. I think it was... Uh, City? It was City, City yeah. Lost Everybody near me had a story about being abused coming through the park, was pissing down with rain, and we lost 3-0. I thought we lost 2-1 at City, actually. Lost 3-1. Won. And we lost 3-0. Yeah. All of us decided to go home early. They didn't want to open the gates. Eventually, they had to open and let someone out. We all surged forward and managed to get out. Sorry, I've got some of the details not quite right. I have a lousy memory for them. Um, if I one complaint about the pod, is the constant phrase of the use, you know. Oh, dear. Sorry about that. I'm sorry. I find it quite annoying. It's not just your pod. I hear it a lot on the others as well. Do we do that a lot? Do you reckon, Chinch? I'm not sure we do. Well, you, know. I think, you know, I don't think we do. No, I don't Ooh. think we do. Uh, I always look forward to your pods. I think the 50, 50 years series you're doing is first class. Thanks very much, Kevin. Keep up the good fur- work. Good fur. Keep up the good work. One fin, Kevin. Oh. Mm. One fin. One fin. Mm. Brilliant. Dan? I, the striker scenario, I mean, Flex Sutton was a very different Chelsea at the time. Um, Sutton's career is defined by his first ever game when he missed three one-on-ones or something, didn't he? Yeah, Sunderland. Yeah, one of those gone in, different story. I think the modern Chelsea, you've got to have a real mentality to want to win. Like, I mean, Morata got goals all wherever he's been, but Chelsea didn't have the, the balls to take it to that level. Yeah. Casarani, unlucky with injury, wasn't he? Casarani yeah. just began to find form and did his knee in. Torres was signed injured, which makes an excuse. Although he didn't, he didn't do as well for Chelsea as he did for Liverpool. He still ended up fairly decent 
goals, games record. Just we, we're a curse for strikers, absolute curse. I think in the modern, Something I think in the modern era, particularly in the Abramovich era, you know, we tend to pay a lot of money for these boys, and uh, you know, I think I think what we have to recognise. I mean, you know, it always used to be said of you know clubs like Liverpool and Man United that they were a burial, you know, burial ground for you know big stars who get you who get more potential big stars who were signed by them and they flopped because they were they couldn't handle the pressure because they're a big club and they're expected to win every game and i think you can say exactly the same about us in the abramovich era so you know players who look like billy big bollocks coming from another side on an inferior league or inferior team come here and they struggle because they the pressure's too much and i include lukaku in that actually at the moment so I think that's a slight difference from what we had before. I think beforehand, as JK was saying, they were just shit. <laughs> I think it was that simple. Uh, Kevin, um, on your on your you know point, uh, I, I cringed when you read that because I'm very, very conscious of the fact that I often do do that. Um, I hate listening back to myself. I remember in the in the days when I was doing the radio show and I would always be saying you know. And I, I mean, I know why I do it. I mean, I, it's it's kind of a... It's a it's a it's a filler so that my brain can catch up with my mouth or my mouth can catch up with my brain probably the the former so i do know why i do it and i and, I, and it annoys me so i i really feel for you what i've never noticed it with you Ginger. i i'm aware of it i'm aware of it I, that i do that so yeah so you say there you go a lot yeah i have a lot of kind of stock phrases which i use that, that's a good one though because it, it cements things yeah but i do have a lot of stock kind of words that i use which are basically my brain is having a brain fart or I, I need to catch up and that's what i do so i know why i do it but i i i do i can understand why kevin finds it annoying because i find it annoying about myself when i do it and i wish i couldn't but it's very hard i mean i, I tell I'll you what you, uh, you, you haven't said you know once in well, this, this i i tell you what i tell you where i've noticed it most you know oh there we go i did it oh, i did it there oh. you go I, I'll tell you where I notice it most, and that is when when I've done interviews on ra- on radio for things like Talk Sport, and I hear it back, and I go, "Oh, for fuck's sake!" I've said you know about fifteen times, and that I sound like a complete idiot. So I, I am aware of it. Uh, so if it is me that I'm the guilty party, Kevin, I can only apologise, and I will try and do better. Okay. The others I can't speak for and won't speak for. So there we go. There we go. I just said there we go. There we go. There we go. Uh, right. That's it for tonight. You'll be delighted to know we get off. 10 minutes early christ that's unlike us uh there's one more thing for me to plug which is actually very very important because you might win something really juicy if you enter this and i believe it ends tomorrow monday the 14th of february so you've only got less than a day to get on back of this uh it's this week's football prizes competition uh and it's the chance to win a jimmy floyd hasselbank signed and framed chelsea shirt uh, the tickets are £2.95 each and the draw ends at 7.30pm on Monday, the 14th of February. Uh, to enter, go to footballprizes.co.uk forward slash product forward slash Hasselbank, spelt unusually H-A-S-S-L-E-B-A-I-N-K. Uh, or just go to footballprizes.com or at football underscore prizes on Twitter. You know it makes sense. Now, uh, that, I'm afraid, is all we've got time for this week. Uh, JK and I will be back with you on Friday night to preview Chelsea's match away to Crystal Palace. It's a bit of a come down, JK, isn't it, after being club world champions, playing Palmeiras in Abu Dhabi, and now we've got to go to Selhurst Park and play the stripy Nigels. It doesn't seem the especially same, really. Especially if we lose. Especially what? if we lose. Oh, God. That's... You know, one thing I have found out is we're not allowed to wear the uh, FIFA World Cup champions, uh, World Club, World club cup champions badge the premier league won't allow us to change kit halfway through the season 
Ooh. What a miserable bunch of wankers. Liverpool were allowed to. Why aren't we? Because it's Liverpool. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I think we might be able to wear it. I think we're allowed to wear it until the next Club World Cup. Hopefully we'll be... I want us to I want us to see us wear it. I want us to have another... I mean, this is the other thing I've been musing. Maybe we made a bit of a faux pas putting gold stars all on our Twitter handles and I've put it on our logo. Although I can get away with the excuse that we won the FCAs twice and that's what it what it's really there for. But we chose gold stars when actually we should have chosen silver stars reserving uh, a gold star for the Club World Cup. This competition, yes. Yeah. Yes. So there we go. People would be confused because most of them use gold stars for their winning uh, of uh, the Champions League, don't they? Yeah. I've always thought, you know, in our badge, the old badge, the old Chelsea badge, which I love, not the Bates badge, the one before that, the simple one in the 70s, had the two stars either side of the the regardant lion. Uh, they, you know, I thought we should maybe bring that back and, and make those gold in representation of our European Cups. But of course, now that's being confused because we have a Club World Cup too. So I don't know. I'll just shut up. I think. What about the Super Cup? Should we have a, a an icon for that? Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because I don't value those as much as I value this one. It's weird, isn't it? But there you go. Um, right. Okay. Where was I? Yeah. JK and I are going to be back on Friday night uh, to preview the Chelsea uh, match away to Crystal Palace on the Saturday. And we'll be joined by the lovely Alex Churchill and Liam Toomey again from The Athletic. And I said to Liam, I'd see him in a few weeks. I hope he hasn't got confused and decides not to turn up. But uh, he was very good last Friday. Um, right. The Chelsea Fancast and Dean's Went to Mo King's Meadow are available as a podcast on ChelseaFanCast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify, as well as other podcast distributors. Uh, and Patreon, we have a Patreon account. If you like what we do, you can become a Chelsea Fancast patron and help us cover the cost of running two shows a week and continue to produce what we believe is a unique podcast on all things Chelsea. Anybody would have thought that was written by me. I think it was. Uh, please feel free to donate whatever you want per show or per month uh, at uh, patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. And if you do sign up to Patreon, you will be entitled to a Kerry Dixon banner. You can join our Discord group and you get to have a date with Jonathan Kidd. The last part might not oh, I'd be... Lo- I'd love that, actually. Actually, he would love that. That's, that's the kind of man he is. He would love that. I was going to say that, that the last part was just a joke. But he said, oh, no, no, yes, I'd like that. So, there you go. <laughs> so maybe maybe you get a date with Jonathan as well. Uh, so there we go. Uh, now, of course, emails. Yes, we have a bit of lack of emails this week. What's going on, people? Uh, if you want uh, your email or your Patreon post or your Instagram post or your tweet or your Facebook post to be read out on the show, then you need to let, them, uh, let me have them by the end of the day on a Sunday evening, usually... Uh, because I usually do the scripts on a Sunday. Uh, and the email address is chelseafancast.gmail.com. Uh, obviously, you can send them everywhere else, so you can follow the show on all the social media at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stanford Chidge, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, and Dan at DanSilves73. So there we go. Danny Boy, it's been great fun as always having you on the show. Yeah, pleasure. Great fun. Thank you very much, guys. And on to the next trophy. Yes, special show to be on as well, I think. It's always lovely yeah. these noteworthy one so it's good to have you on board for this uh jk as always an absolute delight and a pleasure to see you my friend thank you great to be on the show may i say how fluent you are dan and uh how excellent you are so oh, well thank done. you very much much appreciated from oh, such a great person yourself that means a lot thank you oh i did your chat thank you and um yeah and, um, great to be talking about uh the team after this fabulous victory wow. yeah super it is, isn't it? It just makes it just makes it's just brilliant. I mean, I love it. I really do. So there you go. Long may it continue. Uh, right, you lovely lot. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills. Chelsea.
It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.